imagine a substance with the power to destroy humanity. Imagine a creature insane enough to use it. Imagine a hero on the verge of creation. From flesh to steel. You must visualize your objective. From blood to blade. Don't get cocky. You have a lot more to learn. From man to spawn. I see you. We have harvested the ultimate weapon. Makes the Ebola virus look like a skin rash. Congrats on precalations. I say destroy the cosmos. Ask questions later. Who are you? This is just what they want. You're playing their game. Then now play dirty. Early back. Use your armor. Now stay sharp. The night is young. This summer, evil has a new enemy. Justice has a new weapon. And the world has a new hero. Spawn. Busy day? Definitely not busy. <laughs> oh, uh, no, I'm excited, though. Oh, I cannot wait to get into this movie, dude. <laughs> I'm very curious on everything, on what you thought about it. Oh, but I guess before we do that, we should get into, we should open it up. Hello, everyone. And welcome to another episode of Cinecult Podcast. I am your host, Cordell. And joining me tonight is my co-host, Luke. What's up, brother? Uh, I got good news and bad news, Cordell. Oh, no. What is it? The good news is we're covering Spawn. The bad news is it's shit. No, it's from Night of the Creeps. You're supposed to say, what's the bad news? <laughs> what's the bad news? I have to do it sober. <laughs> <laughs> it's Monday. I can't be drinking on a Monday. This sucks. I'm sorry. It's okay. I forgive you. <laughs> oh. oh boy. We're tired, folks, but that's okay. We persist for you, the listeners. Right. Well. So I already told Lou that I didn't really have much for what have you been watching tonight or news. You said you had something, but I did get my care package from Lucas. Which is totally not just all the movies Lucas too lazy to sell and sends off to Cordell. Hey, you know what? I ain't bitching. No, I actually I try I try to keep you I try to keep you up with some good stuff, man. I'm excited for you to watch. Uh, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna name them off. Actually, I figured I'd uh, reveal what you sent me on the show. Ooh, okay. Good, because so, I forget. <laughs> okay, so first off, you sent me a couple just uh, DVDs. Um, you sent me Urban Legends: The Final Cut. 
Yeah, well, okay, so that one, have you seen this movie? I have not seen any of the urban legends. I know the first one had Daniel Harris in it. So this one is technically a sequel, but it doesn't, there's only like one returning character and it doesn't really reference the first one except for like one moment. But uh, this is a really good Scream style slasher movie that takes place at a film school. Um, And I saw it and it kind of like blew my mind and I got the DVD and then I got the Blu-ray and I figured you would really like it. Well, uh, I'll be I'll be honest, dude. I I'm not uh, clamoring to watch it. Like I I I I have never heard a lot of good things about the Urban Legend movies, so I've always avoided them. But, oh no, dude! If if you, you well, you, we, we I know you love Scream. You are gonna like this movie. Trust me. I will get to it. Um, you sent me a four pack of. The first four Hammer Draculas it's included the horror of Dracula, Dracula has risen from the grave, taste the blood of Dracula, and Dracula A.D. 1972. Oh, that isn't actually the first four, but yeah, um, yeah, I really like Hammer Dracula. I'm a I'm a big fan, and uh, I I would say horror, yeah, all of those are pretty solid. So, yeah, and actually, honestly, if you ever have trouble falling asleep, dude, Horror of Dracula is great. (laughs) It's Um, a good, like, comfy late night watch. Now we're getting into the ones that I'm kind of, like, ready for. You sent me Hatchet, Hatchet 2, and the fourth film, Victor Crowley. I do have Hatchet 3 for you, but I couldn't find it. Um, you know what? I remember watching these like one time and kind of thinking like, yeah, it's just a splatter fest. But I've been meaning to revisit these, but they're really not streaming anywhere. So now I'm I'm actually happy to have a uh, physical media of them. Yeah, I love the series, man. Hatch- Hatchet oh. is a classic, and I think Hatchet. Yeah, I, I love them all. I think they're all really really good slasher films. I only, dude, I only, my memory of the Hatchet films, I remember, the, I think it's the first movie where he, like, rips that woman's face, or, like, he takes that, what, what, like, woman and just kind of rips her head apart. Yeah, and the camera does a 360 spin while he does it. Um... I remember him taking a chainsaw and cutting a guy up through his groin and like watching the guy's testicles just kind of like fall off. <laughs> and you take, remember, uh, a belt sander to this chick's face. <laughs> and I remember uh, him decapitating a guy while he's giving doggy style to his girlfriend. And you, so you've got this headless body just kind of going to town on this girl. That is my memory of Hatchet. Oh, I'm excited for you to revisit it, dude. So I'm definitely excited for that. You sent me Madman, which is... What year was this movie? 1982? Uh, 81. Oh, 81. Nice. The golden year for slasher films, dude. So this yeah, was, I... This would have came out the same year as, like, My Bloody Valentine, Halloween 2, Friday 2. Yeah, have you seen it? Nope. 
Oh, you're gonna like it. It's a really fun low budget camp uh, camp slasher. So kind of excited for that one. This one got me really excited. You sent me a Blu-ray, and I love that most of these are Blu-rays. Like I'm really trying to build up the Blu-ray collection. So I'm like really happy with a lot of these. You sent me Tim Burton's Sleepy Hollow. Yeah, well, I uh, I actually own like three different copies of Sleepy Hollow unintentionally, and uh, I picked up the 4K, and I was like, I don't I, I feel I don't know if Cordell owns Sleepy Hollow, but I love Sleepy Hollow. I remember seeing this a long time ago and being like, huh, that's not a bad film. And I'm actually really excited to revisit this. It's it's kind of like a slasher film, actually. It's uh, I've always loved it. I think it's really underrated. I mean, it's everything that I like, though. I mean, it's Tim Burton. It's the Headless Horseman. It's Johnny Depp. It's Christina Ricci. Uh, yeah, I'm really excited for this, actually. Yeah, I fucking love that movie. I, I think it's Tim Burton's most underrated, honestly. I think most people forget about it. Uh, this one I might have to, so you sent me Funhouse by Toby Hooper. Yeah, another slasher classic. So this is a slasher. Yes, yes it is. It is a slasher. Okay. Um, yeah, this one definitely looks low budget cheesy. This one looks like it might be a bit of fun. It's 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 dirty. It's grimy. It's got that Toby Hooper sensibility. But I, I dig it. Okay, dude, I'm going to be 100 percent honest with you on this one. It, it, my face dropped when I saw this because. All I thought to myself was, wow, I already told him. <laughs> I am not ready to watch another Fulci film. And what does so he do? You send me, you send me the three-disc limited edition, 4K restoration, blue underground release of Lucio Fulci's Zombie. And if you turn the cover, the worms pop out at you. Yeah, and if you t- and if you. Uh, don't like that you try to just look at the actual box cover it's like the scene of that woman getting the splinter in the eye which is <laughs> i had to do it you know funny story about that i actually um i bought fulci's zombie way back when and they sent me two copies and i i actually dug that up and i was like oh huh I don't need two copies of this. So now you can experience uh, one of the best zombie movies ever made, honestly. I'm going to be 100% with you. I think it's going to be a long time before I visit this film. It's more fun than New York Ripper, I promise. Yeah. I'm just not a zombie fan. That's my problem. Oh, no, do you not like, like, Night of the Living Dead and Dawn of the Dead? Yeah, I don't care for the zombie genre. Oh. The the only reason why we did House of the Dead was because that movie was so fucking terrible. Oh, well, <laughs> like, I'll, was... I'll have to pick zombie and make you watch it sometime. 
So I will visit this movie eventually. I'm sure I'll get over my fear of zombies one day. My problem with zombies is I just have a thing about watching flesh get ripped apart. <laughs> like there's just something about that I just ugh. weird for somebody who likes slasher movies, but this one this is the icing on the cake, dude. Like I was so when I saw you sent me this, I was so happy. I was like ecstatic. Like I am over the moon that you sent me this and I love it. You sent me the Blu-ray collector's edition of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. Oh, yes, I did, didn't I? I am so happy about this. I have wanted this for a long time. The only reason I hadn't was because it was stupid expensive. I mean, it's I don't even think you can really get at this copy anymore. Well, so Scream Fact that that one is out of print. Now Vinegar Syndrome picked up the rights, um, which I rather foolishly bought because my fiscal responsibility is not great. But uh, yeah, that actually has two different um, cuts, not cuts of the movie, but like color timings, two different restorations on it. And there's a shit ton of bonus features, dude. The commentary with Toby Hooper is cool. Commentary, um, extended outtakes, behind the scenes footage. I am definitely going to have a lot of fun with this one, dude. Thank you. Oh, no, of course, my friend. And then the uh, the kind of cherry on the icing of the cake, you sent me a little koozie. Said horror, scary movies and chill. Mm-hmm. I use it every time I have a beer when we record. As a matter of fact, let me go grab a pop. Listeners, I'm mad because all my I was going to crack open a pop, as my Midwestern co-host likes to say, but all my my uh, soda is not cold. And all I have in the fridge are mini Cokes for mis- mixing. Oh, no, dude. I don't know if the can of pop is going to fit in this thing. Well, it can be a tight fit, Cordell. Oh, shit. I don't want to rip it, though, because if this, like, rips, I'm going to get really upset. It is a, it is a tight squeeze. You got to, like, kind of... Oh, there we go. Got to slide it in gently, Cordo. Holy shit, dude. I, this isn't going to work. This thing's, like, taller than the can. Yeah, I think it's designed for, like, a tall boy. Ah, damn it. Yeah, you'll make it work. Uh, but, but that was my care package. Well, you're welcome, my friend. I hope you enjoy it. And some of those I would love to, I, we are definitely going to talk about on the show. I definitely can't wait. I'm going to really go head first into that Texas Chainsaw, especially the bonus features. Yeah, I've uh, I've actually listened to the commentary with Toby Hooper. That one's pretty good. And then 
Uh, I think there's a couple other commentaries. I, I there's one with like Caroline Williams and Bill Mosley. I really want to listen to. I really love like this is what I like. Lucas, whenever he decides to update the collection, and he's like, "What can I give Cordell that he didn't ask for?" <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> no, it's because I was yeah, basically. But hey, I mean. I'm, uh, you know, more than happy. I appreciate it, dude. I really do. <sighs> now now I just need to get Texas Chainsaw 1, 3, all the other ones on Blu-ray. I know. I keep, uh, I can't bring myself to buy a Next Generation, but I got to have it for the collection. I have all of them on Blu-ray except for Next Generation, the prequel to the remake and Leatherface and the Netflix one which does not have a blu-ray but it should I would have thought they would have oh speaking of well you can get blu-rays of it you know on the like bootleg kind of websites uh speaking of which Cordell actually this might interest you I was looking around on like some of those bootleg sites and I did find the whole all three seasons of the Scream TV series for like uh Ooh. I forget how much it was, but it was in like 720p, which I guess is the highest quality of it. And I was like, ooh. Mm. You know what? I lied. I actually do have a what have I been watching. Oh, all right. Yeah. Just, but, uh, uh, I'm going to let you go ahead and share yours first. All right. Yeah. So. Prompted by Cordell's epic What You've Been Watching, our last episode, which you guys should all listen to because I thought it was a pretty good one. Uh, I checked out Graduation Day because it is a Blu-ray that I have not revisited for quite a while. (laughs) And, uh, you know, I remembered liking this movie, but I didn't remember a lot about it. And, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's okay. It's it's not bad. Uh, some of the kills are pretty good. The football kill is inspired. Uh, I forgot about the spike kill, you know, where the guy pole vaults in the spikes. That's pretty cool. But uh, this is definitely C-grade slasher material. I think my biggest problem with the movie is that uh, we don't really get a chance to, like, know any of these teenagers or, like, follow them around. You know what I mean? Like... We don't really get we get introduced sort of to the track team, but we never really get scenes of them like hanging out or talking. It's kind of like the movie just bounces between like person wanders on screen and gets killed. But do you understand why I like had like that um, red herring? Yeah, well, I totally forgot about the sister. Like, I forgot she was even in the movie. And the reason I forgot is because she, like, doesn't do anything <laughs> the whole movie. <laughs> right? Like, um, yeah, like, ostensibly, she's, like, the main character. And how about the fact that, like, her mom has, like, that drunk, abusive husband, but, like, he doesn't do anything? Like, he shows up in, like, two scenes? Um, I don't but, know. I think maybe Graduation Day is an episode worth doing we like ever get bored and just want to talk about something 
But I will say, yeah, the kills are fun. I like that the killer is just, like, stashing bodies all over the school grounds and nobody notices. <laughs> That's pretty funny. And I will say that at the end, when the killer is revealed, I think the acting by the killer is really good. Like, oh, yeah. I think the, I think the last That's 10 deep. minutes... That's no, good, dude. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I think the last 10 minutes of the movie are actually, like, legitimately creepy. Um, like the uh, person playing the killer does a really good job, and I think there there's some there's a really creepy moment with some uh, I don't want to spoil it, but like with a body that's been kept around that always kind of freaks me out. Yeah, that body though, because I had to like I, it does such like a like a quick jump to it, and I think that's what like gives it the creepy factor. But I like rewound it and like paused on it. Because I couldn't tell if, like, I had to, like, I had to rewatch it and look. The eyes on the body are not open. Um, I'm sorry, this this dummy. It looked like a dummy, dude, and it was some really, or if it was the actress, it was a really bad makeup. Uh, uh, well, that's a shame. Well, the quick cut got me. I was creeped out by it. But um, and the moment after when it like crashes through the window, right, and then she comes down and like the door opens and the killer comes in with the body, but just like walks right past her, and that's like a creepy moment. That's that's like freaky. Um, but yeah, yeah, graduation day. I mean, it's definitely look in terms of 1981 slasher films, it's uh, it's pretty, it's pretty lower tier. But uh, yeah, I had fun with it. It's it's not bad. So yeah, I liked it. So I um we've talked about it a little bit on the show before. I am a huge Star Wars fan. Mm-hmm. And I have always loved the original theatrical versions of Star Wars. I had like in the 90s, Lucas released the THX remasters, which was, like, the last time people could get, like, the theatrical version of the film before he fucking butchered it with the special editions. And then the future DVD releases, and then the Blu-ray releases, where he just added more and more and more. Well... Unfortunately, I could not find any Blu-rays of the theatrical versions. There was a set released in 2004 that came out. It was six discs of the original trilogy, and it had the special edition and the theatrical version. But from what I read those discs were like just kind of like a shitty laser disc transfer. Well, I don't want to endorse piracy on the show, but you can there is um there are remastered editions of the uh the OG. You just have to I'm getting to something here. Okay, okay. So using some connections that I have with other Star Wars aficionados and other podcasts, I was given a link 
to something called the Hammy Editions or the Hammy Despecialized Editions of the original trilogy. And unfortunately, I could not download them. So there was technically no piracy involved. Woohoo! But I was able to watch the films, and oh my god, dude. They need to release those damn, like, original theatrical films in high definition. Like, it was so beautiful. Really? I've always wanted to watch these, but I never have. It really looks good, huh? It it not only does it look good, but it just took me back. Like, I didn't have to worry about stupid-ass scenes that I do not like. I didn't have to worry (laughs) about, you know, I didn't have to worry about Greedo shooting first. I didn't have to worry about fucking... You know, Jedi Rocks and Jabba's Palace, Yub Nub being taken out. I didn't. Ha- oh my God. You want to know the worst fucking thing for me that Lucas did in those future films? In Return of the Jedi, when Vader is standing there and Palpatine is electrocuting Luke, mm-hmm. you get like this moment where Vader looks to his son, looks at the Emperor looks at Luke again, not a word is said, and then the music swells, and Vader just springs into action, picks up the Emperor, and throws him down that reactor shaft. In the Blu-ray and DVD releases, to tie it with Revenge of the Sith, Lucas added the stupid no. No! No! Not only does it completely ruin the emotional moment of that scene, it ruins the score. It, 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 uh. <laughs> See, I don't really mind that. I, I mean, I do mind that. I don't like it. But uh, the thing that always pisses me off is Jedi Rocks, dude. That is unforgivable. That's terrible. Oh, and what is that fucking alien dude, Jow Yowza? That little fuzzball that runs up to the camera and goes... Ah. Yeah, yeah. Every, everyone hates on size noodles, but that guy is awful. Yeah, when he like sticks his like mouth in the camera and is like, ah, ugh, ugh, ugh. I hate it. And then, of course, what I really liked about the, the specialized editions for the scene in uh, Empire when Vader has that like conference with the Emperor, it wasn't the uh, Ian McDermott version it was like the original 80 version where they like just took some random person superimposed like chimpanzee eyes on the person because they didn't know what the emperor was gonna look like yet mm-hmm. and i always liked that version because it, it always kind of gave the emperor a bit of menace to me um yeah i prefer that version as well the horse scenes, oh my gosh, dude, the, these, the old versions in high def, the horse scenes were beautiful. 
And you know what? I know a lot of people go back at the original trilogy and kind of say like, oh, well, you know, those uh, effects at the time, like you can tell like you can tell like the matting isn't that good. And you can tell like there's a lot of uh, stop motion with like the chicken, like the ATSTs, the chicken walkers. I don't hate that stuff, dude. Like that adds to the charm of these movies. It's, it's it takes me back. Like I always liked that in those films. I don't need like I don't need these films to be perfect. I don't need these films to be like I you know, I don't need them to be like movies today where everything just kind of flows together. Mhm. I know Star Wars is an old franchise from the 80s, and I know that its effects aren't going to hold up to today's standards, but that's the charm of it. And I don't like that Lucas went back and kind of cut over a lot of the stop motion, replaced it with CGI. I hate it that I I hate Yub Nub. No, I love Yub Nub. I hate that they took that out in the new films. Because I always used to, like, chant that. I always used to go to school as a kid and go, yub, 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 Ah, uh, See, I don't mind. I mean, I, I do like yub, nub better, but I, I don't mind the, the new score. Um, And the the good thing is, like, the this version didn't have Hayden Christensen as a force ghost. It was still Sebastian Shaw. Oh, yeah, that pisses me off, too. You see, that is probably the one thing that didn't piss me off with the later versions. But I just thought it was unnecessary. You know what I mean? Well, it it doesn't make logical sense that it would be Hayden Christensen. Apparently, Lucas had this idea that when a Jedi becomes a Force ghost, they take the appearance of what they look like when they died. And according to Lucas, Anakin Skywalker died when he looked like Hayden Christensen back in episode three, which really doesn't make sense because then it's kind of like, well, then Vader didn't get redeemed there in the last Yeah, month. exactly. He, he redeems himself. Yeah, I, that's like, stupid. Fuck. <laughs> uh, I, but I watched all three of the specialized editions from this link that a friend sent to me. You know, I, I was. I, I, I can't endorse piracy. I, I can't do that. So you can't send me this link off the air. <laughs> well, you know what? I can't say I can't endorse it. I'm just not going to say either or. I mean, personally, I don't give a fuck what anybody does. And quite frankly, if people if these companies keep raising their prices the way they are, pretty soon everybody, even the celebrities themselves, are gonna pirate their own movies. Mm-hmm. Good stuff, man. Yeah, I gotta I gotta check these despecialized editions out. Oh yeah. Definitely. I I agree with that one hundred percent. Uh, well, we ain't got much 
news tonight. So I guess, do you want to go ahead and get into Spawn? Yeah, let's get into Spawn. All right, ladies and gentlemen, tonight we are talking about Spawn, a 1997 superhero film uh, based on the comics character created by Seth Mc, uh, Todd McFarlane. <laughs> yeah, not Dude, the guy I, behind the stupid bear. Hey, don't don't diss Seth McFarlane, dude. <laughs> I will diss Seth McFarlane. Well, okay, I like some of his stuff, but I don't know. Come on, Ted is awesome. Oh, I hate Ted. Ted hates you. Good. Uh, so this movie came out in August of 1997. It had a budget of 40 to 45 million. Uh, box office was 87.9 million, so it made its money back and then some. Um, not quite sure. We're gonna get into it. Uh, this movie stars uh, John Leguizamo, Michael Jai White, Martin Sheen, Teresa Randall, Nicole Williamson, and D.B. Sweeney. Directed by Mark A.Z. Dippe. Dippe. I think that's how you pronounce his name. Yeah, and I uh, I wanted to do this movie because I'd always, uh, you know, I, I sort of know Spawn. And, you know, I really like 90s movies. Um, so I was like, okay, maybe this is an underrated, you know, gem. Like, I'm sure it'll be R-rated, like. You know, this should be a fun one. So I went in totally blind. <laughs> uh, what what do they say? Like, you know, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. I was like, come on, give me an entertaining movie. Oh, I knew what I was getting, because I've seen this piece of shit before. <laughs> oh, he's showing his hand early. <laughs> oh, I love it. Oh, shit. Well, Lucas, go ahead and take us into Spawn. <clears throat> All right, so Spawn, which uh, there are a couple cuts of this. Uh, I watched the director's cut on Vudu, meaning that, yes, I paid hard-earned money for this movie. And, and let I watched it, I so like I stated in the past, I'm on, uh, I have a Plex account, and Nudie, from the NFW uh, No Fucking Way podcast, uh, he adds people to his Plex account where he like, uploads movies and then like people can go on Plex and kind of just watch whatever he puts on there. It, it's, it's it's kind of like a cool. I I kind of like what Nudie does. He basically has set up like a his own streaming service for his fans. So I went into the group chat and I asked him, I said, hey, could you, I got to do this movie for the show. Could you do 1997 Spawn? Two days later, he tags me, says, there you go. It's up on there. So I was only able to watch this thanks to Nudie. So Nudie, you are getting your shout out for this episode. Yeah, I'm trying to see if there's an easy way to tell if you saw the director's cut. I don't know what version he put on there. 
Okay, after Spawn gets put on the fence, do you remember the clown singing uh, Win and Wanda sitting in a tree? S-U-C-K-I-N-G. Yes, I do remember that. Okay, then you watch the director's cut. Mm. So you watch the cut with the most violence, which is so sad. <laughs> but anyway... Uh yeah, if you're gonna watch this, watch it looks like the director's cut has like two more minutes of violence, so which you think might be cool. It's not really all that cool, but yeah, watch the director's cut because there's a little more violence. <laughs> but so yeah, spawn, we open up with fire and a whole lot of montage uh fiery hellscape while this uh this voice overview kind of says this stuff that's basically like the war between heaven and hell is ongoing and uh boy (laughs) i I, i'm not gonna recite it line for line but here's the dealio is basically the devil although in this movie they don't call him satan they call him something else that i can't pronounce malboja which which seems weird why not just call him satan uh he has sent a demon to Earth, and the whole Except point of this. I don't think I don't think Malboja is Satan. I think he well he might be. I don't know. I don't quite get what he's because he's an original comic book character. Yeah, why not just call him Satan? <laughs> Here, let me pull up the damn quote. <sighs> there was a lot of trivia for this movie, so I will actually. Um, I'm actually going to be ready, uh, to share a lot of this trivia because I really think there's going to need to be trivia for this movie. You know what okay. I mean? Yeah, no, I, I definitely have questions. We are going to have to share trivia for about this movie because <laughs> pe- we're going to get into this and people are going to be like, what the fuck? Okay, so the first lines of the movie is the battle between heaven and hell has waged eternal, their armies fueled by souls, harvested on earth. I guess I guess heaven is harvesting people too, which is not cool. But then he says the devil, Malboja, so I guess he is the devil, has sent a lieutenant to earth to recruit men who will turn the world into a place of death in exchange for wealth and power, a place that will provide enough souls to complete his army and allow Armageddon to begin. All the Dark Lord needs now is a great soldier, someone who can lead his hordes to the gates of heaven and burn them down. So, uh, yeah, that, that didn't make a whole lot of sense to me, but... And roll credits. <laughs> basically, Satan has sent a demon to Earth to, uh, yeah, find find the world's greatest soldier, but it's not Arnold Schwarzenegger. So we cut to a military air base in Hong Kong, and uh, we see all these guys up in the control tower. Some jets are incoming. Well, all of a sudden, this dude dressed all in black bursts into the room, and he's got a submachine gun, and he just opens up and mows down all these guys. And, uh, yeah, right off the bat, Cordell, I know things are not going to be so hot because there's no blood when these guys get shot. Oh, yeah, this is a very bloodless film. Not even a single squib. And I was like, hmm. Well, uh, so the the guy in black, he, uh, 
he sets up this little like remote control rocket thing and takes off his uh bak- baklava, I think they call it. And uh, this is when we get introduced to Michael Jai White. Or is it Jay White? Ooh, Michael Jai White. And this man has had a very prolific career, dude. Yeah, I, I recognized him. I, I wasn't sure from what, but... Um, I. So he had like a little cameo in Ninja Turtles 2, Secret of the Ooze. He was in the second uh, Toxic Avenger, Universal Soldier. He was in On Deadly Ground, that Steven Seagal film. Oof. Um, Kill Bill 2. He played mob boss Gamble in uh, the Batman film The Dark Knight. Oh, yeah, yeah. He was in another Steven Seagal movie called Exit Wounds. Um... Some of his his more recent stuff I don't really recognize. I think he definitely does a lot more low-budget stuff. Direct to Um, video. He's definitely, you know, he's been big on television, too. You know, he was in some CSI shows, Boston Public. He did Is the voice a... of he did the voice of Doomsday on the Justice League Unlimited. He was in a Tyler Perry sitcom for like six years. <laughs> the Boondocks. So this this guy works a lot though, for oh, sure. Oh yeah, Michael Jai he's a pretty popular character actor. And uh, so we're going to find out this is Al Simmons. And uh, so Al puts on these cool like uh, night vision, like computer imaging goggles. And we find out that he's basically here to kill someone because this jet comes in and he's like scanning all the people who get off the jet. And it, it tells him like not the target, not the target. And then finally it zeroes in on uh, some, you know, uh, Arab oil the uh, you know like chic looking guy and uh it says you know target identified and then uh it kind of zooms out and it like targets four different places around the jet and so he sends the rocket off and uh it's a it's a pretty cool graphic actually i like the effects here is it like blasts out the window and we we see all these kind of these like women and civilians who are like oh no well he just he doesn't just kill the target he blows up the jet and everything around it <laughs> so uh yeah he just killed like i don't know 50 people mm. and uh yeah so this is when uh we roll credits because he uh he, he gets out of there sets off the self-destruct on the rocket and yeah that's when we get uh spawn and these like cool like old school pc cgi graphics oh my fucking do the cgi in this shit <laughs> we'll get it we'll get to it and uh so as the credits are rolling i was like oh miko hughes is in here the kid from pet cemetery and uh greg nicotero is here doing the effects he wasn't oh my god 
he wasn't just in Pet Cemetery, dude. He was in Kindergarten Cop. He was in Wes Craven's New Nightmare. Mm-hmm. Uh, wow. Um, okay, I guess congratulations, kid, that you actually had a career beyond this. <laughs> he was in Tropic Thunder. Okay, that's awesome. Yep. Um, did not recognize this kid. So, I mean, the fact that he did go on to um, have a career, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I always just know him from Pet Cemetery, And yeah, he is the kid in Wes Craven's New Nightmare. I think I always forget about that one. That's, that's fail. That's understandable. Hey, I like New Nightmare, dude. It's, uh, it's, it's underrated. I would underrated. not say that out loud. <laughs> I do. Much like Halloween 3, New Nightmare is, like, redeeming itself. It's, uh, Halloween I like is way above Nightmare, uh, Wes Craven's New Nightmare. Let's just put that out there right now. <laughs> I don't know, dude. Maybe we'll have to talk about it. But uh, so we uh, credits stop and we cut right to one of my big draws for the movie is a uh, good old Martin Sheen. And he's sitting in an, in an office uh, smoking a cigarette. And did you notice he has these like custom black and gold cigarettes? <laughs> I was like, that's pretty cool. But uh, yeah, this is a weird scene because across the table from him entirely in shadow is a fat short dude and we're gonna find out this is john leguizamo but they're keeping him in the shadow for some reason all right quick question martin sheen i don't know this actor very well i know his son charlie sheen oh you don't know martin sheen i mean his uh his big claim to fame is apocalypse now but yeah, I mean, like the, the guy—he—he's—he's he's big time, Cordell. He, uh... I mean, I know of him. I just don't, haven't seen a lot of the stuff he's been in. I mean, I've obviously I've seen Apocalypse Now. You know, he—he he was Uncle Ben in the 2012 The Amazing Spider-Man. He was in Badlands. Uh, he was—he was Robert E. Lee in Gettysburg. He was uh always wanted to see that. Have not seen that yet. I actually want to do that on the show, Gettysburg. But um, th- he was in the departed. I think what well, I think most people who know him outside of his film, like his Hollywood, is they would know him as uh President Bartlett in the NBC drama The West Wing. I've never seen The West Wing. I know it's like highly, highly rated. I've only seen bits of it. It was something my grandma used to watch a lot back when we had NBC television. Mm. And John Leguizamo, dude, I love this guy. He, he's having a resurgence as of late. Yeah. He was in. He had like the one-two punch of the menu and Violent Night. He's great in the menu, by the way. Awesome movie. 
he was in Die Hard 2. I think I know him from he was Louis he was Luigi in the '93 Super Mario Bros. film. Um, he was in Doctor Doolittle. He was in. He's in Ice Age. He's one of those people. Who was he in Ice Age? Uh, is he? Uh, he's he's the sloth. <laughs> oh my God, he is Sid. I would never have guessed that. Yeah, yeah. He was in Land of the Dead, The Happening. Um. He's in John the Wick, yeah the first two John Wick movies. He's in. Oh, he was in Encanto, too, since I, which is a pretty good movie, actually. And then, of course, like you mentioned, Violent Night. I loved him in Violent Night. Violent Night, dude, is a, oh, my God, we got to do that next Christmas. I haven't seen it yet. I want to see it. You should, you got to see the menu, dude. He basically plays himself in the menu, and it's, it's, it's he's pretty, fu- he's pretty funny in it. <laughs> I saw, I remember when the menu came out, I saw the trailers. Oh, great movie. Kind of yeah. underrated, actually. So in this movie, um, Martin Sheen is playing CIA director Jason Wynn. And just for, so our audience knows, all these characters that we name off, Jason Wynn, Al Simmons, Spawn, these are all characters from the comics. Like, these are not created characters. These are all established comic characters. Okay, if I was curious um, we're gonna get introduced to Melinda Clark here in a second as Jessica Priest. She's a comic character. Um, but yeah, so we get Jason Wynn, uh, Martin Sheen, and then John Leguizamo is playing this really we we don't see him quite clear yet, but he is playing as a really grotesque clown. Known by his demon name as the Violator. Yeah, and right off, right off the bat here, like Leguizamo is doing this like voice, and <laughs> he's just throwing himself into the role. And this is when I started to have another moment of like, because mm, I was like, I don't know if I'm gonna like this, <laughs> dude. If anything, if there's anything about this movie that I kind of enjoy, it is. Liguizamo is the violator. Like he is just hamming this shit up. <laughs> but yeah, so Martin Sheen, uh, when he's talking to the to the clown, and like you can only really see the clown's hands, and he's in silhouette, and he's basically talking with him, kind of about like they have like some deal going on, like him and hell presumably, and uh. He's basically like, you know, like, when am I going to get my end of the bargain? Like, all the wealth and power and the clown is like, you need to find us, like, you know, a a perfect soldier to, uh, you know, lead Hell's armies and do some other stuff for us. Well, it's kind uh, of funny because he kind of mentions, like, he mentions, like, you need to do something about Al Simmons. We have an eye on him. So... He kind of like makes the suggestion that Hell's had its eye on Simmons all this time. Yeah, and this part of the plot I was confused by because so Martin Sheen doesn't know that Hell wants Simmons to be the leader. 
Or does he know? I don't think he knew until, because he gets that line, like, you know, the clown goes like, oh, and your boy Simmons, you got to do something about him. Simmons, what do you want him for? But um, I think in this, he kind of, like, learns that Hell wants Simmons to be its army's leader. Hey, uh, Cordell, can we pause for just one second? Uh, getting called real quick. Sorry. Uh, yeah, go ahead. All right, yeah, give me one minute. Hello? Hello. Hey, sorry about that. The the dog ran inside and tracked mud everywhere, and my girlfriend couldn't like control him, so I had to grab him and be like, we had to clean his paws real quick. It's okay. I'll just cut out that long, long silence. <laughs> but hey, I did get some pop, as you say. Uh, so where were we? All right. Yes. Um. So the clown and Simmons are talking, and we were just discussing if Simmons knows when, if if, uh, if uh, sorry, if Win knows Simmons is Hell's object, and you were saying he doesn't know until this moment. All yeah, right, I, so think we'll, kinda, I think he kind of learns. All right, so we'll take it from the top. Three, two, one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I think uh no, I agree with you. I think this is when Wynn finds out that Hell has some sort of interest in Simmons. And I just got to say about Martin Sheen in this movie, I was so excited cuz Martin Sheen is a good actor. Uh, he really is, but this whole movie he must have just done this for a paycheck cuz he just affects this like tough guy voice and you can tell he just is like snoozing through the through the script. Like he gives he does not give a fuck. Uh, can you blame him, a man of his caliber? I, which is so disappointing, because I, I really like Martin Sheen. I like him better, way better than Charlie Sheen. Yeah, but I did. When we get into the trivia, this movie, this sounds like this was a movie that was constantly in trouble behind the scenes. Oh, I believe it. Well, you can tell it just because the second point I want to talk about, what is up with the editing in this movie, dude? Because so we cut every every like minute in this movie, they do some stupid like screen wipe. Did you notice that? Yes. Oh, it's, it, it annoyed me. <laughs> Here's uh, something about this movie. This is based on a comic book. And I really feel like this game's trying this movie. <laughs> yeah, this movie's trying to be a video game. Oh, see, I didn't get a video game feel. I I thought the like screen wipes of the cape were supposed to be like comic booky, but I don't know. It didn't really work for me. But so uh, so we cut from uh, Win and we get cut to like a house outside in the daylight. I guess it's the next day or something like that. And uh, this is when we get to meet uh, Al Simmons. And his wife, Wanda, and his dog, uh, Spaz, <laughs> which is a funny name for a dog. And uh, so he's getting picked up outside his house by Terry, who is uh, played by D.B. Sweeney. Um, 
And he's he's done a bunch of stuff, but nothing I really recognize. Mm. Memphis Bell, I've heard of that movie. It's a war movie. Hear No Evil, Fire in the Sky, I've heard of that one. Um, the 2000 Disney film Dinosaur, if you remember that. He did, he was the voice of Sitka in Brother Bale, another Disney film. I have seen both of those movies and I remember nothing about them. He was in Taken 2. Miracle at Santa Anna, or Saint Anna, that's another war movie. Oh yeah, it is, isn't it? So he's been, you know, he's been he's been in some stuff. He's had a career. But yeah, so uh, we find out that Terry basically, I think, works with Al, and they both work for Win. And we also meet, uh, I don't get, is Wanda Al's wife or just his girlfriend? Yes. It's his wife. Okay. And she, you know, tells Terry, like, you know, bring him back in one piece or something like that. Yep. And she is played by Teresa Vandal. And this is another woman who's had a career. Um, Let's see. Shoot, the 1987 uh, neo-Western horror movie, Neo Dark. Ah, okay. Uh, She was in Malcolm X. She was in Beverly Hills Cop 3. Oof. Yeah, I just listened to Now Plane's review of that movie. They were not... They were not kind to that film, dude. I haven't seen any of them. You've never seen Beverly Hills Cop? Nah, I haven't really seen any Eddie Murphy, actually. I don't know why. Oh, jeez. Um, she played, she was, she is in the Bad Boys films with uh, yeah. Will Smith and uh, Martin Lawrence. She was in Space Jam. I think she played Michael Jordan's wife. I've seen Bad Boys and I've seen Space Jam, but I don't remember her in it. <laughs> yeah, she was very, I mean, she only had like a couple of like moments on screen. It was basically a glorified cameo, if you know. But she's, she's works, you know. Yeah, the last thing she was in was she was in Bad Boys for Life, which came out four years ago. So, but, uh, yeah, I, I think she does good in this movie. You know what? I'm going to have a lot of problems later when Hal comes back as Spawn because we never, like, we're supposed to, we're supposed to believe that these two are, like, in love with each other. <laughs> we get, like, two seconds. Two seconds of them. They're and then a couple flashes. And then, like, when Simmons comes back as Spawn, we get no, like, even when, like, even at the end when he goes to the house to save him, we get no moment of Wanda being like, 
Al, what happened to you? We get no drama, no emotion. It's like, oh, well, you died, so I'm with someone else now. Yeah, they definitely, for a guy who, like, his whole motivation is trying to get his wife back, we they, they don't exactly sell this as a romance for the ages. <laughs> but, uh... So yeah, so Terry and Simmons they they go off to uh to A6. I, I guess it's technically not the CIA, although they do mention the CIA at some point. So who the who the hell knows? It, it no, it's the CIA. These are it. They work for the CIA. Oh, why do they keep talking about like A6 or whatever? Anyway. Heat six. It's a biological weapon. No, well. When they go to the building, it says like A5. I don't know. It says something on it. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Plot convenience. <laughs> so they, they go into the building um, to go see uh, see Martin Sheen. And as they drive up, we see this old guy who's like glowing green watching him drive by. And I got to tell you straight up, Cordell, I watched this whole movie. And I still have no idea who the fuck the old guy is and what like why he does what he does. And we'll, we'll talk about it later. I love how he's growing, glowing green like a like a like a great value force ghost. <laughs> but so, uh, but we also get a line here as they're driving to the, uh, work. We find out that that uh, attack that Simmons did in North Korea. It didn't just kill some terrorists it killed a lot of innocent people like there were innocent people caught in the crossfire yeah and, me and, uh, um good. you know terry said terry has a line where he's gonna says i'll keep an eye on um jason so Right there, we can we kind of get like these two don't really trust J- uh, Jason that much. Like, yeah, they're they're kind of iffy about all the shit that Jason Wynn is doing. Yeah, because we uh we cut to um Simmons is up in up in Jason Wynn's office and they're kind of going back and forth about where he's like, you told me, you know the. Uh, the air- aircraft zone was going to be civilian free and martin sheen does the kind of stereotypical whole like you know it's it's worth the cost if you're serving your country son and i love how he has an ashtray that's like above scorpions that's kind of cool and... yeah you got, that's how you know he's evil <laughs> and he's basically telling simmons like you know look we made you into a killing machine like you're gonna do what we tell you you know blah 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 and he's like if you won't we have a uh priest here to do it and because also in this office is jessica priest uh played, played by melinda clock who i know from return of the living dead three and i know she pops up in other shit too oh yeah i I saw the her picture. I'm like, yep, I know this actress. Return of the Living Dead, uh, Living Dead Three. Um, she definitely she had a lot on like I think I know her mostly from TV because I've seen her pop up. She was in CSI, Star Trek. 
Um, a lot of days of our lives, apparently. Days of our lives. She was in Xeno Warrior Princess. Uh, Charmed. Um, Ghost Whistler Vampire Diaries. She was in Gotham. Oh, okay. So I definitely have seen Melinda Clark before. And she's, uh, you know, she's easy on the eyes. She's kind of, her, her, she, she's always wearing like lever, tight lever in this movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Kind of a Cordell looking chick, if you know what I mean. You know what I will? Okay, I'll tell you what I really know her from. Um, in the original CSI television series. We get introduced to this uh, lady who want, who runs like a dominatrix business. And she's only credited in the show as Lady Heather. And she actually pops up for quite a few episodes. She ends up getting like involved with Gil Grissom at one point in the show. Um, okay. And there's an episode where we find out like her daughter is killed and everything like that. But usually the episodes where Lady Heather popped up, I really enjoyed those episodes. So that's what I mostly know Melinda Clark from. But uh, did you notice randomly she has like a tarantula too? <laughs> that's how you know she's evil. Uh, but yeah, the, she is very easy on the eyes. I, mm, yep. <laughs> I'm just gonna leave it at that. But yeah, so Simmons he basically tells Martin Sheen he, he tells Wynn, you know I'm done with this I'm you know I'm I'm sick of his lifestyle if I'm gonna kill civilians and uh, Wynn he's like all right all right that's fine but first you're gonna do one last job <laughs> you know that old trope. And he's like, there's a North Korean chemical weapons facility that needs to be, you know, blown up. So we're going to send you in to do it. And, uh, you know, Simmons can't be that pissed off at Wynn because he's like, all right, one last job. Surely nothing will go wrong here. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just like, oh, boy. So we cut to this North Korean bioweapons plant. And, you know, it's it's. It's just, you know, a whole bunch of white tanks. And we see Simmons. He drops down and uh, he fights some guy. And I love how he, like, just breaks the guy's neck, though. That was pretty cool. Well, uh, he's going through. This scene is so. I don't know, dude. This whole scene is, like, so devoid of, like, any fun. Yeah, because he he just just fights the one guy. It's just sneaking around and doing, you know, fuck all in this chemical plant. Yeah, well, he only fights the one dude. And then he sneaks around. He finds another body. He drops down to the main floor and he sees there's already explosives on, like, these tanks. And I was kind of confused because I thought the whole point was to blow it up. Well, uh... All of a sudden, Martin Sheen, like, repels down, and I'm like, Wynn, like, has to do this himself? <laughs> like, you know, he's, he's like, the top brass, but he's, he's, he's infiltrating North Korea. 
Well, uh, the priest pops up there, too, and Simmons is basically like, you're going to blow it up. There's there's a town, you know, like right over right over the ridge there. And, you know, Martin Sheen is twirling his mustache pretty much because he's like that's 7000 test subjects for for the, the virus. Or, the you know, the chemical weapons. And, you know, Simmons Simmons is like, no, nah, how can you do this? Well, uh, so he, he points his gun at Martin Sheen. Well, he gets shot by a priest who's also there. Now, one thing, one thing I do want to point out in the in the in the uh, comics, it is not priest who kills Simmons like she does in the movie. In the comics. Uh, Simmons was killed by um, by a man named Chapel, uh, Jess Chapel. Okay. Um, who basically, you know, has history with um, uh, Simmons, but for some reason they decided not to. She did not get, you know, they did not go with that character. So they were like, oh, well, we have this other, we need like a bad female. We need a femme fatale in here. So we ended up getting priest. (laughs) So uh, Simmons is down on the ground. The priest starts like spraying him with this like green liquid. And I was like, is that like acid or something? But I think it's just like gasoline or something flammable. And uh, so uh, so Martin Sheen, they they got Simmons down on the ground. And oh, he's been... oh, I was wrong. It turns out Priest originally was not in the first comic. It was just Chapel. Priest was created for this movie. And then would go on to be in the comics. Okay. I guess they couldn't use Chapel uh, because they didn't have the rights to the character at the time. Interesting. Hmm. Here, let me read the public here. So, the character of Chapel, originally from the comic book series, could not be used in the Spawn movie because the rights of the character were owned by Rob Liefeld. I guess that's like a comic book writer and artist. Um, McFarlane created Priest as a replacement for Chapel in the film and later retconned Priest to be Spawn's killer in the comic as well. Ha! <laughs> You get it? They replaced Chapel with Priest. <laughs> so Chapel was the original killer, and then later after this movie, they just retconned it to being Priest in the comic as well. Okay. Glad I could get that, you know. <laughs> they replaced the Chapel with a Priest. <laughs> That's hilarious. I am easily amused, listeners. <laughs> so Simmons is down on the ground covered with this like goo stuff and uh because this movie has to be like blatantly stereotypical Martin Sheen you know he's like uh see you in hell and flicks his cigarette and I like how he goes see you in hell and salutes him 
<laughs> and uh, so we get kind of a cool effect, though, because uh, poor old Simmons, he he's, gets set on fire and we see the places like blowing up around him and we get this cool shot of Michael J. White like burning, doing kind of like a Christ pose. And uh, we get a quick shot of him kind of falling down to hell, <laughs> which looks pretty terrible, but you ain't seen nothing yet. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> but we just cut to uh, we just cut to him kind of waking up in this like abandoned church, I think. And. uh he wakes up, and this is when we get our first good look at John Leguizamo as the clown or the violator. And he's basically he has, he has a funny line where he's like, "I told them, well done, not burnt." <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, and it should be said, this is when we get a look at Simmons too, and he looks pretty fucking crispy fried. Yeah, this guy puts Freddy Krueger to shame. Actually, you know what he looks like? He looks like Deadpool. Looks like a burnt ball sack. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, so basically picture like Ryan Reynolds' Deadpool or like Freddy Krueger, only not as badly burned. Kind of like remake Freddy, I guess. He, he looks fucked up. Yeah, so he kind of, it's raining. He's in this like ruined, abandoned chapel. And... I don't know where the clown goes. The clown just kind of vanishes all of a sudden. And so he stumbles down the steps. And uh, so the chapel kind of lets out into this, like, sort of homeless shelter alley place. It's like this big alley with a whole bunch of, like, homeless people around. Yeah, I kind of call it, like, bum city. And I was really confused. I was like, is he in hell? Is this what hell is like? But no, he's he's back on Earth. And well, I this, wish this was hell. <laughs> this is when we get introduced to Miko Hughes as Zach, who's this like little blonde kid, and he offers uh he offers Al a Coke because he's like, You need a drink, mister. Uh, problem number one seventy six five two with this movie. Um Nobody in this alley, like, it is not a secret how fucked up Simmons looks at this point. And everybody just kind of looks at him and goes, cool, you're part of us now. Yeah. Yeah, no no one really reacts to it. No, nobody reacts. Um... Later, we're going to have a big fight scene between Simmons and Violator in this alley, and nobody, I mean, people are running away from the fight, but nobody's like, yeah, big monster. They're just like, they're more like running just to get out of the way. Yeah, I mean, it's, well, we'll, we'll get to that. I mean, I don't know. This this movie's so choppy. <laughs> Dude, mm-hmm. So, uh. Listeners, I want you to remember that this movie was requested by Luke, not me. <laughs> it's it's very choppy. It's very confusing. I bear no responsibility for this. <laughs> I don't think it's the, is it the worst movie we've done? I don't know. We'll have to find out. 
I don't know if it's the worst, but it's definitely the one where I'm just kind of like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, so Simmons, yeah, he uh, he stumbles as he stumbles out of the alley. He runs into the old guy who was glowing from earlier, and the guy says some like cryptic bullshit to him. <laughs> He's ba- he's basically like you have some choices to make and gives him a, a coat a coat and Simmons basically uh, he brushes this guy off and he's like I got I have a home and so this is when we get some more voiceover which I, we find out is coming from this old man whose name is Cogliostro. Yes, so this is uh, Nicholas Cogliostro, played by Nicole Williamson, um, a Brit- famous British actor. Nothing that he's done. Yeah, I don't recognize a lot of the stuff that he's done. He was in Return to Oz, if you know that movie from Disney. It was in uh, Exorcist 3. Exorcist 3 and Spawn. That is really all I know this guy from. Excalibur, which is a movie I, I want to watch, but I have never seen. Yeah, everything I'm seeing here, I think, is all, like, British movies. Um, He would, I mean, TV, he was in Columbo, if anyone likes Columbo. I like Columbo. And he had a lot of stage work. He did a lot of stage work. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I don't really know this actor that well. But, yes, he is co- Cogs, uh, what? Cogliostro, I think. Cogliostro. Cogliostro. Yeah. Well, so Maybe this is when we get. Now is also a Hellspawn. Or was a Hellspawn. Yeah, and um, this guy basically throughout the movie is kind of going to be the the angel on Spawn's shoulder, so to speak. Like he's the one who's always going to be like, you know, don't don't give in to what Hell wants you to do. He's going to be the Obi Wan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he is actually. Well, so we get some voiceover, which I kind of liked actually, because it, it reveals that even though to Simmons. It's only been like, you know, one day and he thinks he just woke up after North Korea. It's actually been five years. Yeah. Thanks, you know, filmmakers for the fucking lazy dialogue. And like I. I never got that it was supposed to be five years, dude. Watching this movie before, like I never got that. Oh, see, I like I thought it was a cool reveal. I liked it because like. It doesn't, you know, we we get introduced with Sim, we wake up with Simmons, kind of like what the fuck, and then the reveal of like it's been five years, I think, is pretty cool. And uh, so we cut back to Simmons. He walks back up to his house, and uh, he just kind of like wanders through the uh, into the backyard, and we see there's a whole birthday party going on, and. Uh, we find out that he has some asshole choice of friends because turns out old Terry has hooked up with Wanda and they have two kids. 
Well, wait, wait. Oh, wait, no, they only have one kid, actually. My bad. Yeah, they got one kid, a little girl. We're going to find out that Terry didn't do this out of spite. This well, just, I, guess, I guess he did think Al died. <laughs> I think uh, I think this is just one of the classic case of two people broken over the loss of somebody and they kind of come together. But of course, Al doesn't see it that way. Well, not yet. But and uh, so we we this John Leguizamo is the clown entertaining the kids. And I like as the scene goes on, he keeps doing shit that like it cuts to him and he's got like a cigarette, and it cuts to him and he's got like a whiskey in his hand. And the only line I felt worthy of writing down is he says, "Quote, all right, kids, I got more tricks than your local hooker." Oh my gosh! Let's talk about bad parenting. Like <laughs> this clown comes to your kid's birthday party and says this shit, and you don't kick him out. You just kind of like just look at him funny. So uh, yeah, so so Al, he's kind of like hiding in the bushes, watching all this, and he's heartbroken. Well, uh, turns out though his dog uh, Spaz is still around, and I couldn't tell is Spaz a boy or a girl. I don't know. The I, I think dog? it's a she. Yeah. I don't know. I think it's a she, but I I couldn't remember. I can't remember. I don't know if they say it, but so it kind of like comes up to him. Well, actually, he sort of like falls out of the bushes, and he's laying on the ground, you know, feeling sorry for himself. Well, the dog comes up to him, and uh, so Wanda she follows it, or no, the kid actually does. What what's their kid's name? Um, let me go to IMDb. Cyan. Cyan. Uh, let me go to IMDb because it doesn't say on uh Wikipedia. Um. Yes, Cyan, played by Sydney Bowden. Bodine, Sydney Bodine. And did she do anything? She doesn't have a Wikipedia entry, so I assume not. Um, I'm looking at. So she's been in a lot of television. Um. Only thing I can see on here of note is 13 going on 30. Yeah. So not too much. Well, anyway, yeah. she follows the dog and she finds uh, Simmons. Well, Wanda, she walks up and, you know, she does what any sane, rational parent would do if you have a burnt Freddy Krueger looking homeless guy on your front yard. And she's basically like, get the fuck out. You know, like, what the fuck are you doing here? Like, get the hell out. And uh, Simmons, he just kind of reaches out for her leg and he's like, Wanda. Well, Terry, he runs up and, yeah, he's basically like, get the fuck off my property before I call the cops, which, again, is the appropriate response. Well, yeah, because, I mean, this guy's burnt. This definitely does not look like the guy you knew. Well, this is when uh, the clown waddles up (laughs) and he's like. He's like, oh no, don't don't mind him. Sorry, sorry about that. He he he's just my friend here. You know, come on, Bernie, <laughs> let's get out of here. <laughs> and Terry's I like, you know, get get out of here. Calling Bernie. Yeah, that's fucking beautiful. 
That's so mean. And uh, <laughs> so he, he drags him out and uh, he teleports Simmons. And they both end up back in this alley, which in like this deserted corner. And uh, this is when John Leguizamo really gets his time to shine. Because he has this long rant about like, I hate clowns. Ronald, Bozo, all of them. I got to have a word of the boss. Why a clown? <laughs> Well, I mean, McDonald's was really exploding at this time. And uh, Simmons, you know, as we all should respond to, like this weird, like midget, obese clown. He's basically like, what the fuck are you? Yeah, like, fuck off. (laughs) And uh, we're treated to, you know, Leguizamo, not once in this movie, but twice he has to fart. And we actually get to see his dirty fucking tidy whities of skid marks. Which I'm just like, ugh. And so he he grabs Simmons and he's like, yeah, I know you don't remember. It's been five years. And he's like, let's do a flashback. That'll help you remember. And so we we get a flashback. (laughs) And this is when we finally get to see hell. So we cut to when Simmons, after he got burned alive, falling down the hill. And oh my god, he falls straight into a Nintendo 64 video game. Oh my fuck, dude. We get the fire is <laughs> there's so much wrong with this. The fire and then suddenly like these things rise that have like it's supposed to be a crowd of Hellspawn, like an army of Hellspawn, and it just kind of looks like dancing blots. You know, I can forgive the hell landscape. I can forgive the... the um, we I see can... Malboja. What I cannot forgive is Malboja. This looks like something straight out of if they had made Doom... For PlayStation 1. That is exactly what I was thinking. I was like, this is, they just ripped this right out of Doom. And you know what? Thing, look, you know what? Malbojo is voiced by Frank Welker. Do you know who this is, Frank Welker? Nope. He is a prolific voice actor. For a good portion of his life, Frank Welker has voiced Fred Jones in every incarnation and see, like movie, everything of Scooby-Doo. Oh, really? Wow. This is the voice of Fred Jones. So, the original TV series... Um, oh shit, I'm trying to think here. Like all the Scooby Doo movies that we grew up with, even today, he's still to a point voices Scooby Doo. Really? He's still alive? Oh, yeah. Huh. And, he, and let's see, who else has he done? He's also done, um, I mean, when I say he's done voice acting, I mean, I'm going to list off some stuff he's done, and you can tell me if you've heard of it. A lot of this is, like, 80s and 90s stuff. 
mm-hmm. The Adventures of Mighty Mouse. Mm, um, yeah, it sounds vaguely familiar. He did the voice of Ray Stance and Slimer and the real Ghostbusters. Yeah, I've seen a couple episodes. Um, he did the Beagle Boys on DuckTales. Seen a one couple of my, episodes. One of my favorites is he was Dr. Claw and Mad Cat in the original Inspector Gadget show. Uh, I've seen the movie. I haven't seen the show. Um, Animaniacs, Tom and Jerry. Okay, uh, so this, this guy's done a whole lot of voice acting. Mr. Papa's Penguins. I'm trying to... He did the voice of the Martians in Maul's Attacks. Oh, okay. Um, I'm trying to see. Because I saw something in here that he also did some. Uh, that he also did some voices for like the Transformers stuff. Yeah, he did the voice of like sound of Shockwave and like Transformers Dark of the Moon. Oh, okay. Well, so, yeah, for him. This, this guy has definitely like he is a prolific voice actor and I always smile when I see his name come up. Were you smiling at this? I could not fucking believe it, dude, when it said Frank Welker was the voice of Malbolgia. I'm like at least, you know what voice act? I can give voice. I can give a pass to the voice acting, I guess, because it's a creepy voice. It is a good voice. Like it is a creepy fucking voice. But yeah, they oh, don't even make any effort to have the of, mouth match the voice. Like oh, he also did the voice of Alien Sill in the 1995 horror sci-fi film Species. You know that movie? I don't. I kind of want to. But yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it looks um, like complete and utter dog shit. Oh, <laughs> and let, let me tell you guys, because you might be like, okay, it's the 90s. You know, it, it, it's okay no, that it looks no, like shit. No, 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 no. I do not want to hear that as an excuse. I do no, not no. fucking hear no. that as an excuse. <laughs> Because you want to know something? Terminator 2, when the fucking T-1000 turns himself into liquid metal, that came out several, a couple years or so prior to this. No, I do not want to hear about 90 CGI. Being oh. Like, oh, it's not that because you want to know something? You watch Terminator 2 today, the fucking T-1000 still holds up. Oh my god, he's angry. <laughs> I love it. I, I was going to say... I have seen, I have seen The Lawnmower Man. I have seen fucking the lawnmower man based on a stephen king novel and even though that movie is a piece of fucking shit and the fucking like cgi and sucks <laughs> the cgi in that is a little better maybe if not on the same par as this i don't know it's really hard to really say but i do not because i've always heard that as an excuse and i do not fucking like that well, I'm, I, I agree with you i'm not using it as an excuse because i just looked up what else came out this year Dude, this is the year of Jurassic Park 2. This is the year of Fifth Element. 
this is the year of Titanic. Now, granted, this budget isn't as big of any of those, but this is the year of Starship Troopers. Starship Troopers holds up incredibly well. Um, so yeah, there's no excuse. And this movie has $45 million. It's not like it's dirt cheap. Like, um, yeah, no, there's no excuse that hell, that, that this looks as shitty as it does. But what I will tell you, Cordell, is I think hell is the worst part. Some of the CGI in here that comes later, I think looks okay. And we'll get to it. But yes, there is no excuse for how terrible hell looks and how terrible whatever the fuck his name is Malbolgia looks that looks like fucking shit but yes and basically they they tell Simmons you know they're like we can resurrect you and you can get your wife back if you agree to lead our army and I mean Simmons is pissed off he's been burned alive he's basically like yep (laughs) like yes which, I mean, you know, if I'd just been burned alive, I'd say yes, you want too. You to know another movie that came out a year before this movie did that has, you know, obviously CGI in it and still holds up to this day? What? Independence Day. Yeah, exactly. No excuse for Spawn. So I will not forgive the movie. I will not make any excuses for it. I'm quickly looking something up here. I just found, a, like, an article from Screen Rant. It says 10 hilariously terrible CGI scenes in 90s movies. Not to kind of like get too off topic of the movie, but can I read through this quickly to kind of what their list of bad yeah, CGI Yeah, go through it. Okay, at number, one, at number one, they got the monkeys in Jumanji. I don't remember that movie at all. I'm sure uh, it doesn't look great. You know what? The CGI monkeys in that weren't the best still better than this okay um the shark eating sam jackson in deep blue sea i thought that looked okay the anaconda in anaconda i've never seen it the werewolves in american werewolf in paris i've never seen it but i know those are universally regarded as terrible i've seen that movie once Oh my god, I'm so happy they got spawn on here. Um they oh that's cool. They don't uh actually pick out one thing. They just say just about every CGI effect in spawn is bad. In I fact, don't bad. agree with that. In in fact it goes from bad to progressively worse. I disagree. There's some that I think look okay. Um Blop from 1998's Lost in Space. Never seen it. The, the Lawnmower Man. <laughs> yeah. Um, Air Force One. That. Harrison. Yeah, CGI is not terrible in that movie. Okay. Um, I don't know why this is considered a 90s movie because this came out in 2001, but the Scorpion King and Mummies and the Mummy Returns. Yeah, it doesn't look great. No, it don't look great, but you know what? Maybe that. That almost is as bad as Malbolgia, but like that was 2001. That's even worse. That's even less of an excuse. 
Um, I still think it looks better than Malbolgia. <laughs> okay, Mal- and then they have the Star Wars Special Editions on here. Ow, get the fuck out of here. Those don't look that bad. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and say I hate the Star Wars Special Editions, but the CGI in those, even if I hate them, those are still ten times fucking better than Malbolgia. This fucking shit is horrible. <laughs> yeah, Malbolgia looks terrible. This is so fucking nasty to look at, dude. Like, this looks like this, you you gonna tell me this movie was made for forty five fucking million dollars, and this is what you can put together in nineteen ninety seven, after you just had aliens attack Earth and the T one thousand like run around the fucking city, like cutting shit with his arm, like bl- arm blades. Really? Mhm. This looks like some fucking like five dollar. Uh, computer shit that someone put together in their basement yeah no there's no way angry dude i hate (laughs) this i hate this so much yeah there's no defending hell hell in this movie understand i was when i first saw this movie i was really excited because i've always kind of liked spawn i thought the character was cool i thought the story was cool so when i heard that they had made a movie in the 90s about it and it had this reputation of being a CGI fuckfest. I was like, okay, I'll give it a shot anyhow because I really wanted to see it. But when I saw Mount Bolgia and I saw this shit, oh my fucking god, dude! Yeah, no, it's it, hell. It, it's not good. And I yeah, there's don't no defending. Any movie we've ever done on the show before has ever like made me this <laughs> irate. Oh, this is such horse cock. <laughs> it, it, it is. But uh, well, well, let's, let's... we find out. Okay, to kind of move on from this. Uh, so Malbolgia, so Simmons, he goes to hell, and Malbolgia offers him, and they call it a Faustian deal. If Simmons agrees to become his servant and the leader of his army in the Armageddon of the Hell Spawns. He will be able to go back to Earth to see Wanda and to avenge his death at the hands of Jason Wynn. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, of course, Spawn as or you know Simmons as we all would do is like hell yeah, I'll do that. <laughs> and uh, so then we uh, we cut back. We 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 get out of oh, terrible CGI hell. Apparently, Cyan is not Terry's daughter. It's Simmons' daughter. Did you ever get the sense that they were that Simmons and Wanda were having a kid before his he died? No, I didn't get that sense in the you know thirty seconds of screen time they got. <laughs> because it says here that Terry is now married to Wanda, living as the stepfather to his daughter Cyan. No, I didn't. I didnn't realize that. It would have been so nice if the movie. <laughs> it would have been nice if the movie told us that. It be so fucking broken, dude. <laughs> so uh, Leguizamo or the clown and uh, Simmons, they teleport to a graveyard. And uh, I love the line where Simmons is like, "Where are we? This is where old folks go after Florida's son." <laughs> <laughs> That made me laugh out loud. 
<laughs> and uh, so they're before a grave that says Al Simmons, and uh, the clown tosses down a shovel, and he's like, all right, get digging. And the shovel, like, morphs into his face for some reason. I love how nearby we got just, like, these three fucking assholes doing a satanic ritual. And, uh... I love the guy. He's like, Lord of Hell, bestow upon me your powers of darkness. And then he gives, like, the weak-ass stab to a chicken I've ever seen. And the, the one other guy's like, maybe we should sacrifice a virgin. <laughs> so, uh, so Simmons, he digs up this coffin and rips it open, and there's a burned corpse inside. And there's, like, kind of a cool moment where, like, the burned arm reaches out and grabs him before it, like, dissipates. And, uh, so the clown's basically like, yep, see, you're dead. You know, you've been pushing up da- daisies, the worms have been eating you. Well, these uh these Satanists, they run up to him, and the one guy's like, were you sent here by, you know, the Dark Lord? And the clown goes, how come God hogs up all the good followers and we get all the retards? <laughs> <laughs> fucking... Some of, some of Leguizamo's shit is actually pretty funny. I'm telling you, man, if there's anything in this movie that makes me at least smile, it is John Leguizamo. Like, he eats this wolves the Violator. Well, uh, this is when Simmons, uh, he starts fucking, like, writhing in agony, and, uh, we get a pretty cool scene, actually, where he, uh, he starts, like, growing his, like, spawn armor. Yep, his necroplasm armor. And, uh, I gotta say, dude, uh, when he's wearing the armor, it looks pretty cool. Oh, yeah. No, this is a great design. Just like the comic book. And we find out that he can do all this cool shit. Like he like sprouts spikes out of his uh, skin. And one of the uh, Satan dudes runs up to him and he basically like punches the guy across the graveyard. And uh, so the the clown uh, teleports him back to uh, back to the alleyway. And he's basically uh, he's basically like, all right. You just got to go kill, uh, you know, go take your revenge on win and then you can lead hell's armies. Well, uh, so Simmons, he basically realizes like, OK, cool, I got these superpowers now. Time to go get my revenge. But as he's leaving, the old guy, Cogliostro, why does every fucking character in this movie have a name that's hard to pronounce, Cordell? Besides, besides no Spawn. Like, I don't want to keep saying Cogliostro. I'm just going to call him the old guy. And he basically is like, every choice has consequences, son. Just be careful. And Simmons is like, yeah, 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 whatever, old guy. I got to go. I got to go get my revenge. So we cut over the old Martin Sheen and uh, in his office. And it did kind of crack me up that he's graduated from cigarettes to cigars, as you know, a refined gentleman should. And uh, he's chilling with a priest is there, you know, wearing some slinky leather thing. Mm. (laughs) See, I'm I'm calming Cordell down. I'm like, just just think a priest, Cordell. Think a priest. She does look pretty damn good in those outfits, doesn't she? Yeah. Yeah, she does. 
I love how like she's gonna be attending a dance here pretty soon, and she even goes to the dance in what basically looks like a hybrid between a dress and a leather outfit. <laughs> like this well, woman really likes her leather. Well, we uh, so we 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 see uh, Martin Sheen is watching the news. And apparently the world is not in a great place, Cordell. There's all sorts of anti-U.S. sentiment. And this movie made me do a double take because one of the lines the newscaster reads is, quote, the latest peace talks between the Arabs and Israelis was disrupted uh, by protests from the Christian coalition. And I was like, wow, it's topical. Yeah. I was like, God damn. <laughs> oh, man. You picked a hell of a time to start to, to do this review. <laughs> well, uh, so then it cuts over and they're talking about how Wynn is basically making his own kind of like coalition of countries. And uh, we see Terry. He's kind of like the PR guy for Wynn. He's talking about, you know, how Wynn is just doing good for the world. And all the rumors about him like warmongering are just fake news, so to speak. Well, uh, so when he's scrolling on the screen and he gets the news that they've successfully managed to make a virus called Heat 1-6. And uh, this this quote made me double take too, Cordell, because he says Heat 1-6 makes Ebola look like a skin rash. I was like, oh, my God. Yeah, this is some pretty dog shit for a villain in what is a fucking dog turd of a movie. Well, we cut to outside the movie and we see Spawn. I'm just going to call him Spawn. Simmons is kind of infiltrating into the building. I think he takes a couple guys out, but he uh he finds his way to the armory and we get a pretty cool, you know, lock and load montage where he's grabbing a whole bunch of guns, loading up shotguns and stuff. Well, we cut back to Wynn's office and Terry comes in. And he's like, look, the car's waiting, but we got to talk. And Wynn is all like, oh, yeah, let's have a drink and talk. And Terry's basically like, look, I'm sick of being your PR guy. Like, we need to look into some of the accusations that are against you. And Wynn, he's basically like, no, we do not. Don't you have a, you know, nice wife and daughter who you're really fond of, Terry? You know what I'm saying here? So he basically tells Terry, like, you know, keep your fucking mouth shut. Yeah, you would think at some point Terry would have been like, you know, it's kind of funny that Al died. You didn't have nothing to do with that, did you? Nah, don't Terry. He just is like, ah, whatever. Yeah, Terry, I think he's a well-meaning friend, but man, is he fucking dumb. He is pretty fucking dumb because, yeah, he, he legit does not realize what Wynn is up to until like later in the movie. <laughs> well, uh, so they arrive at this like gala thing. Where uh, Martin I have Sheen no is idea. Kinda... I have no idea why there's a gala. I have no idea what the gala is for. <laughs> yeah, Fuck I... it. Doesn't matter. Just gala. Yeah, I don't understand it. Martin Sheen is like schmooze talking. He's like chic looking guys and this like African head of state guy and Terry does I, come to him and tell him that there was a break in though at the, at headquarters someone broke into the armory I think these are the people he's like illegally selling the virus to because the guys are like well is the virus ready and he's like oh yeah don't worry it's totally safe and under our control 
I think that's what's going on. But yeah, who the fuck knows? Oh my god, I hate you, Luke. <laughs> yeah, because so Terry comes in and he's like, this shit, dude. He's this like to, fucking produced by New Line Cinema and distributed. New Line, you should be fucking ashamed of yourselves. <laughs> uh, we're we're quickly learning that I have a I have a lower tolerance for shit than Cordell because I'm just like, yeah, whatever. But yeah, so Terry comes in and he's like, listen, there was a break in. Like, we need to get the fuck out of here. And this is when Priest shows up. And yeah, she's wearing this weird, like, dress, but it's got, like, sparkly armor on it. Yeah, this woman, she, like, wants to look good for the gala, wants to look sexy, but wants to look like she'll kick ass. (laughs) I don't know. So she rolls up, too. And uh, just as Terry is, like, to win, he's like, look, the car is waiting. Again, the car is waiting. You know, and Wynn's like, all right, let's get the fuck out of here. All of a sudden, the fucking rooftop bursts open, and uh, we get Spawn in his full fucking glory flying down in there with his red cape. And I know he this. This movie, I don't know if this movie came out first or if it came out after, but this was the same. This movie came out the same year as Batman and Robin. Mm-hmm. So this scene of Spawn coming crashing through the ceiling light like that is like a direct riff on, you know, because Batman had a scene like that in Batman and Robin. He did it in Batman Forever. He did I it mean, in the first Batman. Literally, he literally comes through the roof like Batman. Yeah, but and this is where I will compliment the CGI because the cape is all CGI and like you it looks like CGI, but unlike hell, I think it looks pretty good actually. It's probably the one CGI in this movie that I don't have a complaint about simply because you make a movie about Spawn, you have to CGI the cape because the cape is a character in its own way. Yeah, the cape looks pretty fucking cool. And I do love his, like, mask of the glowing green eyes he has. That looks cool. Well, uh, so he busts in, crashes down onto the floor, and uh, he takes all, you know, he, like, makes the mask, like, and cape kind of, like, retreat back into him, into the armor or whatever. Well, he just walks right over the wind. He grabs him by the fucking throat. And uh, smashes him into a table and wins like, who the hell are you? And he's like, don't you recognize your own work? And I'll see you in hell. He's like, you left me to die in that plant. And I love how um, Sheen uh, like slowly realizes and like he gasps by and goes, Simmons. But, uh, you know, Simmons needs to get his priorities straight because, yeah, he he throws Wynn across the room. But then he walks over to Terry for like two minutes and he's like, Terry, how could you bang my wife? (laughs) I like that. And I like it. And I I like how Terry like slowly kind of gets like this realization like, oh, my God. Ow. Because, yeah, like this boot motherfucker comes up to you and starts talking about you know, Wanda and how could you betray me like that? And he kind of just goes with it. Like he just straight up tells him, it's like, we thought you died, Al. Wanda was alone. I was alone. 
And uh, yeah, I mean, Al's kind of just like, well, all right, I'll deal with you later. We'll talk. We, we got to talk about this. But uh, so he goes back to Win. I think he picks Win up or something, and he's about to kill him when uh, Priest shows up with two guns and she fucking shoots the shit out of Spawn <laughs> from up okay, on like this, this balcony. Okay, this scene I did like. So he gets shot and he kind of retreats into a corner and he's kind of got like these holes in him that's got like light spewing out of them and then they close themselves back up and he what, what's the line he has he says something like neat yeah I, I like when he gets shot and it's like glowing bullet holes i think that's cool but uh he pretty much realizes bullets aren't gonna do shit to him so we cut back up to priest on the balcony what the hell was that and Wynn is basically like, it's Simmons. Go finish him off. Well, she's up on this balcony, like, looking around. And uh, it kind of gets a little horror-y for a second. Because she just, like, hears something, but she can't see anything. Well, uh, you know, Spawn, he comes out of nowhere, basically. And... uh what does he do? He like attacks her and she goes to like kick him in the crotch, but he, he like sends out the... He picks her up and like he slams her against the wall. It 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 almost has like kind of like mm, I I got a weird vibe from this. Like he picks her up, slams her against the wall. It almost kind of got like a weird like sexual tension thing i don't know oh really it, i didn't i didn't get any of that it, it, it's 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 just kind of the way like when he slams her against the wall she makes like this sound hmm. I obviously, didn't pick up on any no, of that. obviously there's no sexual tension going on because you know he was faithful to wanda he never had any like he never did anything with priest but it's just the way this fight goes down at first. I don't know. Maybe when I first saw this, I think like I kind of thought they used to be an item. So I'm kind of like carrying over that baggage with me before I actually learned what the actual story was. Mm -hmm. But he picks her up and kind of slams her against the wall. And that kind of causes her guns to fall to the ground. But then she goes to kick him, and he's got, like, she goes to kick him in the nuts, and he's got, like, this thing that kind of, like. It's one of his, like, his, like, snakes or whatever. Grabs a whole, like, puts, like, his mandible around her boot and squeezes. I think this is, like, the one scene where we get, like, a little bit of blood. Because it, it, I mean, it digs into her, it goes through her boot and draws blood. Yeah, it cuts into her. And, and then, know, uh, and then he then throws he, her by the railing. Yeah, I'm she, gonna, I was hoping for a much better fight between these two. Well, I, I thought something else was going to happen. So, yeah, he gets her down and he, he picks up her guns as pointing them at her. And she's like, isn't it a little late for Halloween, Simmons? And he's like, where you're going, it's Halloween every day. I do like that line. 
I do like that. I thought that was pretty cool. And uh, she's like, you don't have the guts. He's like, I don't. And he fucking unloads into her. And uh, she falls off the balcony. Yeah, he has one bullet between like to the forehead. Now, I thought he shot her a bunch of times. I think he shot her a bunch, but I think the killing blow was the bullet to the forehead. Yeah, so she she falls off the balcony onto a table down, crashes into a table down there. (laughs) The violator just comes up. (laughs) He's like, well, that'd be cash or check, lady. (laughs) I did like that. Oh, my goodness. Well, Simmons, he looks down at Wynn. Well, this is when all the, like, the rest of the troops or cops or whoever burst in, and they start shooting at Spawn. So he uh, he gets the fuck out of the building. And I don't want to dwell on this because it's kind of like an extended sequence where he's on the outside of the building, kind of like climbing around, and they're all shooting at him. And at one point, he like his cape turns him into like an invisible part of the building. Yeah, you, that would have been the scene where he got away, but no, but whoops, accidentally send this piece of building down to the ground and they, they see me. Yeah, so it's just like five straight minutes of him like climbing on this building. And I do like when like his hands turn into like climbing claws and he says something like, oh, shit. <laughs> but uh, I don't have too much to say about the scene, uh, but it does end really cool because his cape finally, I guess, just has enough of this shit. And it turns into this giant like wing. Are they wings? And he just flies off. Yep. That was pretty cool, I thought. Well, uh, let's see here. Yep, so this is when uh, Wynn is down at the bottom, kind of getting checked out, and we see Priest's body getting pulled out, and this is where I get mad, Cordell, because it shows Priest (laughs) getting pulled out, and we focus on her, and I'm like, okay, this is when she's going to get brought back to life as some sort of hell spawn, so mm. she can fight Spawn at the end. Like, I this this mm. just makes sense. Like, this is how this movie should go. Fuck but, this movie. But no, the EMTs are like, nope, she's dead. Didn't you think that same thing was going to happen, Cordell? Mm, fuck this movie. I was like, you fuck set her this up. stupid movie, dude. This, this script went through so many changes. And, like, the... Uh, budget was constantly depleting and scenes that they were going to film had to be, you know, either removed completely or taken out. She was supposed to come back. Yeah, Because in the comics, she does actually come back as a... In the comics, she comes back as what's called a she-spawn. Yeah, she she should come back as like the female version of Spawn and they can fight. That that makes sense. And um maybe okay, they were saving it for the sequel. Intended, she was intended to return as another Spawn in a sequel, but the film had neither the time nor the budget, so it was canceled. Um so the story was incorporated into the comic books. But I also read that there were some scenes that were supposed to be in this movie that kind of explain why she's being taken because they don't put her in a body bag. They put her in basically what looks like a cryostasis. 
Yeah, that's why I thought she was going to come back. I thought if she doesn't come back as a Hellspawn, she was going to come back as kind of like, like maybe, I don't know, Wynn would make a deal with the devil to have, to bring her back, but with powers, but not like, you know, not as a Hellspawn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that, that pissed me off. This, this was such, this is like, this is when I really realized that this movie had storylines that just cut off for no reason because it is very very obvious that there was supposed to be more to this well when he's down among these ambulances and uh so the violator kind of pops out and calls him over and this is when i kind of realized that the violator was playing both sides because he's basically telling win like look you got to hold up your end of the deal and get the virus ready worldwide and wins like well what about simmons and the clown is kind of like well simmons just has to do one more thing for us so i kind of get the sense that like okay win has got to be a fucking idiot though right because he knows the clown has something to do with simmons and he knows simmons wants to kill him but he still is just like oh okay i'll do whatever you want it doesn't make any sense i don't know yeah, he basically tells Wynn, like, oh, Wynn's just cooling off some steam. Or he's like, Simmons is cooling off steam. Don't worry. He'll he'll uh, take his place as, hell, as Hell's uh, commander soon enough. Yeah, I don't <sighs> know. Just, just bad writing, dude. Bad, bad writing. <laughs> well, so we cut now... Talk about something else that, like, is totally, like, dropped with no explanation. I guess Wanda is some sort of, like, news person or, like, investigative UN person or something. Because she's, like, talking at some conference about, like, when, like, you know, the various, like, dirty shit Win has been up to. And that made no sense. Well, not to add, (laughs) not to add to an already fucked up script, but what they really should have had character wise in this movie. um, I'll get to it a little early now. You know, I've talked about the Spawn animated series. Mm -hmm. So in the comics and the animated series, there are these detectives called... uh, it's Detective Sam and Detective Twitch and their partners. And they play very big in the animated series and in the comics. And they they kind of like investigate like these spawn sightings and it's Twitch who kind of comes to the idea that I think this spawn character is a good guy. Would it have been better if we would have had the detectives from the comics in here instead of like Wanda being like a report detective reporter and Terry doing his own detective shit. Like what? I don't know, dude. It it might've been better, but that would just be two more characters who take up screen time. I I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) Dude. 
it's it's fucking dumb is what it is and what's even more dumb is like her daughter well where the fuck is this even taking place because her daughter is in like what looks like a gymnasium I, by herself i guess it's at like a college i, I don't even know well the daughter's just playing by herself with the dog and so spawn walks up and we kind of get this sort of sweet moment where he's like oh you have your mother's eyes like i knew your mom and um when wanda comes to see the daughter the daughter's like she's like yeah you can't be alone and uh cyan's like well i was talking to spawn he's a good guy but uh here's what i want to know at some point we end up back in the alley and the violator is trying to convince spawn to take his place as hell's commander and Spawn completely tells him to fuck off. He's not going to do it. Which then leads to this. Uh, it's going to lead to Violator transforming into the monster form of the Violator. Okay, he transforms from the clown into the Violator. And they're going to have this big showdown in the alleyway. I'm sorry, at what point did Spawn learn that, because this whole fight happens because Spawn learns that his death was by de- by the design of Malbolgia, that he was always handpicked by Malbolgia to be Hell's leader, and so through the machinations of Hell... Al was killed by wind. When did he learn that? Well, he learns it because the clown. Okay, now the more I'm talking about this with you, the more I realize how fucking stupid this is. (laughs) Okay, so um, stay with me, Cordell. Stay with me. So after he leaves, we get I'm already gone. We get an extended scene of the clown dressed as a cheerleader. Did you like that bit at least? No, I did not like that. And then we go back to terrible CGI hell. <laughs> and I do like, like Malbolgia picks up John Leguizamo, the clown, and the clown's just like bitching at him. And then halfway through, he's like, oh, wait a sec. This isn't going to get me anywhere. Oh, yeah. He's basically bitching to Malbolgia. Like, ah, you should have had me be the leader of the army. I would have done this and... Why are we wasting our time? And Melbourne just kind of like, are you done? <laughs> and, yeah, and the clown's like, wait a minute. All right, I'll do whatever you want. <laughs> and Melbourne tells him, you know, this is your last chance. And uh, yeah, so then we cut back to the alleyway and we see poor Miko Hughes, uh, Zach. He, he's not eating the garbage, so his dad, like, is going to beat him over it. <laughs> But uh, Spawn comes up and, you know, throws the dad into some garbage. And this is another, like, sweet character moment because the dog shows up, too. And we see uh, Zack and Spawn. They kind of, like, bond while Spawn is reloading his guns. And I guess it's to be like, oh, see, he's a friend to children. And uh, we also get a quick cut here. We see Martin Sheen gets a, a device implanted into him. Where, like, as long as he's still, if he ever, like, if his pulse ever stops, all the bombs across the world with the uh, virus are going to go off. 
Which, you know, you better hope the guy doesn't get into a car accident or something, right? Like, <laughs> um, but yeah, so th- this is when the clown pops up at the church. And for reasons I have no idea why, the clown is just like, oh, yeah, you were handpicked by Malvolja to lead Hell's armies. And yeah, uh, totally going to bring him to your side. Well, you know what? I don't understand this, Cordell, because it's not like they lied to Spawn. Like, they literally were like, Malbolgia was like to Simmons. He was like, we'll we'll bring you back. We'll give you Wanda, but you have to lead Hell's armies. Like, what did he think that was going to mean? You know what I mean? Like, honestly, Simmons kind of comes off as a dick here. Like, you made the deal with the devil, dude. I think... Simmons thought at first it was just, oh, okay, I get Wanda as long as I lead your army. Okay. But I think when he learns that his death was pre-planned between Wynn and Malbolgia and Hell and the Violator, when he finds out that it was all planned, that's when he's like, oh, I'm in this predicament not because I was just betrayed by Wynn, but because I was always planned to be killed and sent to hell. Oh, okay. It's it's when he learns he was set up that he turns on them. Okay, that makes more sense, actually. So, basically, yeah, he tells Clown to get the fuck out of his face. And we are going to get... Oh, fucking hell. We are going to get... Probably this CGI is not as bad as Malbolgia, but it is still pretty fucking bad. Yannick is going to transform into the weirdest looking, most grotesque cockroach creature I have ever seen. Okay, but you got to love his line because he goes, no more clowning around. I'm not the vindicator or the victimizer or the vaporizer or the vibrator. I'm the violator. <laughs> and I, I actually like the design so of the vibrator. With all the sex jokes he makes in this movie. I, I like the design of the violator. I think it looks pretty cool. And I don't think the CGI, even some of the shots, I think it's a model. I really do. Or a puppet, I mean. Um, but yeah, what I will say, this is like what you were talking about, because yeah, there's this giant dinosaur looking fucking thing just going around, and we just see all these like the homeless people are just like, oh, I better get out of the way. <laughs> yeah, his true demonic says here his true demonic form was achieved through a combination of animatronic puppetry and CGI. Yeah, I don't think it looks terrible. The the only CGI I really hated in this movie is Hell, which is going to bring up a big problem for the end of this movie. But yeah, I, I think this scene doesn't look bad. It, it doesn't look great, but it's not terrible. But yeah, we get this kind of weird. It's not a great action scene either, because I mean, like uh, Spawn basically just shoots at the Violator a bunch and like runs around and they're like chasing each other and. The yeah, viol- this is a poor fight scene. Like, the Violator picks up the dog at one point, but then he shoots it, and the dog bites him in the ankle. And... 
I thought the violator killed the dog because the collar was ripped. And, uh, yeah, it is a pretty fucking poor fight scene. But I do like how it all ends because eventually the violator basically just picks up Spawn and throws him into this iron gate so he's crucified. Which, you know, is a little on the nose. He's literally just crucified. Yeah, what, did he think this was going to kill Spawn? We already know nothing really hurt Spawn. Nah, I don't think he did it to kill him. I think he just did it to kind of show him who's boss. You know what I mean? Be like, look, I can... Because then he turns back into the clown and he's like, Clown 1, Violator 1, Spawny 0. And uh, the Violator basically tells Spawn, he's like, I could have killed you like without even thinking about it. So you're going to have to do what we tell you to. So I think the whole point was just to, you know, beat him into submission. But, uh, yeah, he he basically just tells Spawn, do what we tell you to and leaves, which doesn't really make any sense. <laughs> and then this is where Cagliostro makes his big, big entrance. This is where he becomes the Obi-Wan. He, so he comes up and he gets Spawn down. And he uh, tells him to, like, just, Use your mind to think about, you know, use the suit to heal your wounds. Um, yeah, we get this whole, like, trait. So we find out that Cogliostro, he was an assassin, too. Yeah, he was the, a hell spawn. He was an assassin, like, 500 years ago, I, I think, for the Crusades or something. Yes. And uh, he has this, like, magic sword arm, which is kind of cool. But, yeah, he basically, Spawn goes to get his guns to, I guess, go kill the Violator is his goal. And Cogliostro is like, nah, 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 those are no good. You got to use your uh, necroplasm. And we get this kind of cool training scene where, you know, Spawn basically learns to control his powers. Like, he breaks a bottle and he sends out his, like, spiky chain snake things. And... Let's, let's just comment on something if Cagliostro was a hell spawn he should have been you know fucked up like Simmons like you know because I figure when you go to hell you burn oh no I think it's just because Simmons actually got burnt alive like if you just get like stabbed and go to hell I don't think you you burn yeah but we clearly see when you fall to hell you're on fire Oh, do you? Well, yeah. but later on in the movie, when Cogliostro gets goes to hell, he doesn't get set on fire. I thought he was, but... Well, maybe. Well, anyway, so Cogliostro basically gives Spawn, you know, the Obi-Wan power-up moment. And this part <laughs> kind of... In... I'd be looking at Cogliostro and being like, hey, teach me how to make my face look normal. <laughs> And this kind of annoyed me, though, because Spawn walks out of the alley and goes over to steal this guy's motorcycle. And he tells Zack, he's like, hey, you're still in this movie, so go hunt down my dog wherever he's at. So, you know, kid, just go wander the streets till you find my dog. <laughs> and uh, I didn't get this, Cordell, because he has the cape. He can fly. Why does he need a motorcycle? <laughs> 
because it's going to turn the motorcycle into a cool toy. <laughs> I thought that. I literally thought that during this movie. So this is when the movie really goes off the fucking rails. Cause you have to understand, Todd McFarlane, like, this is a property that's very near and dear to him. And even though, like, I, we'll talk about it when we do trivia, but clearly, you know, McFarlane's trying to get a sequel or a reboot of this going. Um, but the toys, the merchandise that McFarlane has put out throughout the years for Spawn is massive. Oh, like, yeah, there's so many toys. So I would not be shocked if this movie was like kind of like what Batman, like what Batman and Robin was just a giant toyetic movie to sell toys. So this is when the movie really goes off the rails because all of a sudden we just oh, cut to the movie's going off the rails. <laughs> we just cut the spawn on the motorcycle and he comes John Le- the clown is driving this like tricked out truck for <laughs> no reason and all of a He's sudden we're in a car chase. Truck. All of a sudden we're hey. in a car chase. And yeah, like the clown is just sitting on top of the truck of a grenade launcher, shooting grenades at Spawn. And I will say though, I think I think the chase is done pretty good. Like it looks cool. And uh, like at one point, uh, so Spawn like armors up his motorcycle, and that looks kind of toyetic, I guess. <laughs> and. Uh, he gets like in front of the truck and turns his his bike into this giant spike that like impales the truck and blows it up. That was kind of cool. Like yeah, I thought this scene was pretty cool actually. It didn't make any sense, but it was pretty cool. There's not one fucking thing in this movie that makes sense. It's either it's cool or it's dumb. <laughs> so uh the clown as he's flying up from the explosion, he's like, "All right, time to time to get to wanda's well we cut over and we see terry he's he uh he basically has stolen the plan from martin sheen and he i was impressed he's on like a zoom call before that was even a thing with some reporter did you notice that yes i thought that was cool but he's basically like you know whistleblowing about all the shit win is up to and uh well, all of a sudden, I guess because once again, like, you know, Martin Sheen doesn't have any goons. He has to do the dirty work himself. He pops up behind him with a gun. And uh, he shoots the computer. And, you know, he has he's the whole family. What? He's got Cyan with him. Yeah, he's got the family at gunpoint. It, and, you it, know. When... See... See, this is where Terry starts to finally, like, grow some fucking balls. Like, I think seeing Al at the gala made him think, well, Al's alive. What the fuck is Wynn doing? Yeah, but Terry's Uh, pretty dumb if it's been, like, five years and he hasn't caught on. (laughs) Oh, no, I'm not going to argue that. Terry's a fucking moron. But... Oh, my goodness. So, yeah, wins here, takes the family hostage. Somehow this ends up back at 
Well, there's a knock at the door. And Terry's like, yeah, well, they're they're at the house. For some reason, Wynn just went to the house. There's a knock at the door, and he's like, you know, go answer the door. And uh, the fucking violator pops in. (laughs) And uh, I do like the one gag where he, like, makes his hand into a balloon and his head deflates, and the balloon starts singing opera. (laughs) I do like Cyan. She's like, you were the clown at my birthday party. And, and again, I, I, you gotta love fucking uh, Teresa Randall in this. Like she's just got no emotion on her face. Like that acting she did earlier when she like told Spawn to go the fuck away. That acting is gone because she's just standing there, just looking at the violator. Literally nothing on her face. Did you catch that? What, that she, like, had no reaction to the clown? Yes. Well, no one really does in this movie. Like, people are just like, oh, yeah, there's no beast midget clown. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, yeah, so... What the fuck happens? Yeah, this is so... But it's the fact, like, he takes his head off and pops it like a balloon. Like, he's clearly doing shit that no one should be able to do and there's just no reaction there's no freak out there's like what's going on what is this just oh okay demonic clown Mm. like what so we cut we cut from that to spawn like kind of walking through the house because i guess we couldn't show him actually arriving and he walks into the living room by the fire and uh out pops like kind of like this hellish like uh, i don't know like thing that uh wanda's like tied to or she's kind of like sealed in and uh so win has a knife at her throat and he's basically like all right this is your last chance simmons you know basically join the forces of hell or she gets it and you know simmons isn't going for it well, Wynn finally is like, well, he took too long. Well, he just fucking stabs Wanda right in the heart. And I was like, damn, this movie's finally getting dark. <laughs> well, this makes Spawn, you know, uh, lose his shit. So he grabs Wynn and he throws him through the fucking door where uh, Cyan and Terry are tied up in chairs. And, uh, so, you know, he gets Wynn down, basically, and he uh, turns his arm into a whole bunch of spikes. And Wynn finally is like, I think Wynn finally realizes where all this is going because he's fucking dumb. And he's like, wait, if you kill me, you know, it'll, uh, you know, it'll kill all of humanity. And Spawn's like, well, it's like you said, I've got nothing else left except you, which I thought was a cool line. But, uh, of course, he looks over at Scion Cordell. And, uh, you know, how did I know that Cyan is actually his daughter? The eyes of a child make him, you know, rethink killing Martin Sheen. (laughs) So he doesn't actually kill him. But what he does do instead is he like. And I don't understand how this works. He like opens up Martin Sheen of his vision and pulls out the device. Yeah. And then like just zaps it and boom. Plot 
plot device gone. (laughs) This is so fucking dumb. It should be also mentioned that Cogliostro came with Spawn to the house, and for some reason they brought the fucking kid, Zack. Yeah, he was there too for some reason. Like, Zack's like, it could be, like, no, you leave the kid in the alley, like, you're about to go fight demons and gun runners and shit like that. You leave the fucking kid at home. (laughs) I don't know, maybe Cyan just needed a buddy to play with. I guess so. Well, this is when Wanda looks up, she pops back up awake and her eyes turn demonically red and she's basically like, what the fuck, Spawn? And turns out that wasn't actually Wanda, that was uh, the Violator. And so he uh, he transforms back into John Leguizamo and uh, he jumps over there, he gets spawned down and he just kind of like slits his throat part way, which looked pretty cool. I do kind of like this. Like, this is where he kind of, like, spills the beans, where he says, you were supposed to kill Wynn and set off Armageddon, and Wynn's like, you set me up. Which just goes to show how dumb Wynn is, because, I mean, come on, dude. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so, uh, so the Violator, he's like, I'm gonna, he's like, you know, destroy the universe first, ask questions later. That's what I say. And he's like, I'm going to kill all of you. And he's like, but, you know, first I'm going to have my way with Wanda. And we get this kind of creepy scene where he, like, sticks his tongue out all over her face. Well, uh, this is when uh, Cog Cog shows up with his nifty uh, his nifty arm blade. And he uh, he stabs the violator. And kind of saves Wanda. And uh, Spawn, you know, he regenerates his uh, his slit throat, which was a cool effect. And uh, but again, the, no emotion from Wanda, none, no moment between her and Simmons. Yep, not not a single moment of emotion. Like, but uh, five years, you were dead. I'm hopping on someone else's dick now. But just when I'm like, okay, this is a pretty good ending, the Violator pops back out of the fireplace and he drags uh, Spawn and Cog into hell. Oh my god. (laughs) And okay, I have nothing to say about this dude because I didn't understand a single fucking thing that happened here. It looks looks like fucking shit. Oh my god. So, okay, so he grabs them and they are going down to hell and Spawn, like, at this point, you know, he's the Violator. And they, uh, like, fall into hell, and they're fighting. And suddenly, Cogliostro is just kind of, like, gets flung into hell. He lands somewhere. I don't know. He just goes flying. I thought he was dead. Uh, like yeah, I, I, I thought he was I, dead, too. I honestly thought, like, Cogliostro was going to sacrifice himself to fight Malvolgia. I really did. Um, and then Spawn and Violator, like, crash to the ground, and they start, like, beating the fuck out of each other. Um, somehow, Spawn subdues him. And then, you know, Malvolgia pops up. 
and basically has some line about if you will not lead my army you will burn and we get more really bad cgi hell spawn army just looks like black blobs having a fucking hell rave yeah it should be said everything cordell has just said it looks like fucking shit. Like I had trouble, dude, understanding <laughs> what was going on because it looks so fucking terrible. Like you're watching your TV oh, and it's even, just it's just a fucking those. blob of orange. It's That's it's okay. awful. So <laughs> it's so fucking terrible. <laughs> Get the scene. Well. Spawn practically tells Malbolgia, fuck you, I'm not going to lead your goddamn army. And uh, suddenly his eyes glow and he sends green lasers everywhere that just starts fucking vaporizing the hell spawns. And then somehow Cleostro's back. He, like, the hell spawns run. The hell spawns run to them. He grabs Cogliostro and he just like fucking flies out of there like Iron Man. Malbolgia tries to grab him and says, you, you can't get away. Oh my God. I hate you, Luke. <laughs> I love you too, Cordell. Yeah, none of this makes any fucking sense, but you know, they fly back out of hell and out of terrible CGI so land. done with this movie. Like, I, you watch it and it's just kind of like numbs you to how bad it is. But when you finally break it down and talk about it, it's like, oh, no. Yeah, no, just talking about this with you makes me realize that how fucking stupid this is. <laughs> So they pop back out of the fireplace and we get this kind of weird scene where nobody's really talking, but everyone is just kind of like, ah, we made it. Like, again, no emotion, you know. Wynn is just kind of sitting up against the fucking thing, feeling all dejected, like, dude, for 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 one minute, Cordell, I legit thought Wynn was going to be redeemed and he'd like he's part of the team now. You know, like they're like, ah, no hard feelings, Win. You're like, <laughs> and the, everyone is just like all hunky dory and like smiling at each other, except some embers from the fireplace. You know, they start like they start, uh, you know, floating in midair, and boom, out pops the violator for one more scare. Yeah, because this guy just doesn't know when to fucking stay down. Now, I did like this scene, though, because so he grabs Spawn and he's trying to bite Spawn's head off because earlier he did tell Spawn, he's like, if you get your head cut off, you can be killed. And, uh, you know, Cogliostro is like, use the spikes. Well, just as uh, he puts Spawn in his mouth, Spawn like spikes up and we get this cool shot where like his spikes are coming out of the top of the violator's skull. I thought that was pretty cool, actually. And then, yeah, okay, yeah, that was cool. And then he uses, like, his chains to wrap around the violator's neck. And it becomes and like a chainsaw. Have, yeah, because the chains have, like, blades on them. And he just basically saws off violator's head. And credit where credit's due. I thought that looked pretty cool. Now, here's my big problem. The violator doesn't die, technically. He melts, but he just goes back to hell. 
And I do. And John Leguizamo, of course, has to get in one last. Hey, Wanda, you want a little head? Yeah. Spawn is like, tell your boss he's next. But technically, there is no resolution to this whole fucking thing. The only resolution we really get is so the police arrive, Wynn gets arrested, uh, Terry is talking on news, says, you know, I'm going to come out about Wynn's illegal deals and... Yeah, let's talk about that for just one second. Terry is a fucking idiot because you do not say on the news the line, quote, I unwittingly aided Wynn's illegal activities. I'm like, dude, you're you're like admitting to it. You're going to jail, too. <laughs> and apparently not in this universe or not because they don't arrest him. <laughs> but, yeah, we get a shot of Martin Sheen looking all sad as he gets, you know, taken away by the cops <laughs> and uh at, we did get one line where like simmons basically was like it's better this way that terry's with wanda and um yeah so then we cut to the alleyway and we see like the kid and the dog and cogliostro they're all huddled under the building and the camera pans up and the last shot is pretty cool because we do see Spawn with the cape all extended. And the brooding. fucking rats running around everywhere. <laughs> but yeah, we see Spawn standing over the city, awaiting a sequel that will never come. <sighs> and that was Spawn. Oh my god. <sighs> well, I gotta say, Cordell, I'm sorry I put you through that. But at least it was a short movie. I will. Let's get our recommends out of the way and then we'll do trivia. So Luke Spawn 1997. Uh, if you big O this, I fucking like. <laughs> done. Off the show. Big O. High, medium, low. Boy, are you cutting your dick off. All right, so Spawn. I, I'm glad I finally got to watch it because I've been wanting to watch it for a while. Um, no, you know what? fuck that. It's, you're not good. We're not doing cut your dick off with this one. This, this movie's not worth cutting your dick off. Are you going <laughs> to tuck your dick in and run? Are you just going to I'll give credit where credit's due. I, I think the actors all do okay for the most part. I think John Leguizamo is hamming it up, and he's some of his lines legit made me laugh out loud. Um, I think, you know, uh, Michael Jai White does a pretty good job as Spawn. Um, I like how he looks when it's the practical suit. Uh, a couple of the action scenes I think are okay. Um, you know, I mean, Melinda Clark isn't, she's not in the movie a lot, but she's good. Uh, Martin Sheen sadly is kind of wasted, but I still like seeing him. I think the cape CGI looks good. I think the violator looks okay. And uh, the last compliment I can give the movie is that it's short. <laughs> so that doesn't equal tucking your dick in and running, but this is, 
Oh, this is the lowest of the low, man. This is like if you are falling asleep and you just want something on the TV or like, you know, if if you have a girl over and you need something just for background noise. And, uh, if you're getting really fucking if you're getting really shit faced with people and you're just like, we're just going to keep getting drunk as shit. But John Leguizamo is going to say something funny every once in a while. I don't know, man. That's the only way I can recommend this. But it's not it's not cut your dick off. So the the absolute lowest, lowest low we can possibly give for Spawn, because yes, it's pretty fucking terrible. <laughs> when I first saw this movie, like I said, I wanted to like this movie. I really did. I really wanted to like this movie. I think Michael Jai White is awesome as Spawn. I think the Spawn character is cool. I think the Violator is cool. You know, Priest looks awesome in this. Uh, Melinda Clark, she looks amazing. But there's so much shit that... There's so much that they do that goes nowhere. Priest death, the shit with Terry... We don't even get like a reconnection between Simmons and Wanda. Um, Cogliosto doesn't do much for most of the movie until like what half hour in. The only real highlight of this movie is John Leguizamo as the Violator. He hams it up. He does for this movie what I think the actor who played Skeletor in that live-action Masters of the Universe did. Because a lot of uh, people, yeah, I forget what that guy's name is, but I know what you mean. A lot of people say like he's a highlight of that movie, and what is technically a really bad movie, or. You know, Lao Julia as Bison in the Jean-Claude Street Fighter movie. How he hammed that up and made for a rather fun performance in an otherwise abysmal film. But this movie... I cannot believe in 1997... This movie had a $45 million budget, and this is what we got. The the CGI. You know, we had Jurassic Park. We had Independence Day. We had, you know, the T-1000 in Terminator 2. Starship Troopers. Starship Troopers. Just so many. I mean, the 90s really were the age of CGI when CGI really started to take hold in film. And yes, you can go to a lot of 90s movies and say, yeah, that looks good. Yeah, that looks bad. Twister, the movie Twister. 
you know, I watched that movie. I never question the CGI of the tornadoes because they hold still hold up to me. This movie <laughs> is a fucking embarrassment with that CGI, with Malbolgia and the Hellspawn army and the flames. Everything in hell just looks like absolute even dog. The, even the going to hell when they're going down that giant fire vagina. Like... It is not, it is a fucking embarrassment. I, the only thing I can, like, that list I read, they said Jumanji was bad. Jumanji is a classic, and nothing in that film is as bad as what's in this movie. Anaconda is not even as bad as what's in this movie. (laughs) The only thing in the 90s I can think of that comes close to being this fucking bad was the CGI in Stephen King's The Lawnmower Man mm-hmm. when they go into cyberspace. Like, that was just pretty fucking bad, dude. If you've ever seen The Lawnmower Man, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, a long time ago. But yes, it does not look good. But this is it. Even if you took over, even if you ignored the bad CGI, this is not a good comic book movie. Like this is not. I would not come to this movie and be like, yeah, this makes me want to watch Spawn or like Spawn. And Spawn is an awesome character. I mean, they put him in the Mortal Kombat games for Pete's sakes. Mm-hmm. And, and he gets some really good lines in there. Like they give him fun lines that kind of reference all everything. But this is not a good Spawn movie. This is not a good comic book movie. This is not a movie to showcase CGI at all. New Line Cinema. You guys have made, I mean, you are the house that Freddy built. But man, I don't even know. Like, Freddy's a dream demon, but this is one trip to hell that New Line should have avoided. Like, New Line should have looked at this. And been like, we are not putting our fucking name on that. And I don't want to knock Todd McFarlane. You know, obviously he had a vision. I don't know how much of this movie is his vision. But this movie's just fucking atrocious. I'd seen this once. I never thought I was going to return to this movie. <laughs> Never thought I was going to return to this movie. And when I was watching this for the review, I'm li- I was lying here in my bed, eating chips, drinking a pop, fighting the urge to look at, to not look at my phone and shit like that. <laughs> like I was so by the time we get to a, the gala, 
that's happening for no fucking reason other than just for Spawn to attack Win and be like, guess who's back, asshole? No. I cannot recommend this movie to anybody. I cannot, re- like, I'm not cutting my dick off. But I am tucking my dick way up inside, and I am getting the fuck out of here. And the one thing I want to add, because I just thought about it, is this movie is the lightest R-rated movie possible. And you yeah. know what? And if that's they had... a problem. That is a problem with this. Spawn is a hard R character. Yeah, if they, uh, and I, I said this while while I was watching it, I was like, if even with the bad CGI and the stupid plot, if they actually embrace the gore and we got some bloody gunshots, we got some decapitations, we got you know Spawn and the Violator fucking shit people up, that would go a long way towards generating some goodwill. If but, you want a good Spawn, please, I highly recommend. Go on HBO Max, so just I guess it's just called Max now, mm-hmm. and watch the 1997 Spawn animated series. It is violent. It is hard R. I mean, it's definitely not an animated show for kids. I guarantee you, you will like that show a lot more than you would like this movie. Ooh, I am going to check it out then, because I do it, like the character. Like that, it ran for three seasons. It's a good show. I like it. And this movie's just... I cannot shit this movie out fast enough. <laughs> I mean, to kind of give you... The ideas of like what other people think about this movie. Um, gee, where did I where did I read it on here? Um, where was it? I just seen it. It was okay. So right here it says Michael Jive White is not a fan of the film. There is no footage of me ever saying that I like Spawn. I have never said that I thought that was a good movie. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. John Leguizamo commented, The thing that Todd McFarlane brought to the comic book industry, which he saved in the early 90s, was the edge. The darkness, the vulgarity, the violence. I think the movie would have profited more from more violence. More vulgarity and being darker, let it be truer to the comics. Oh, 100%. I'm trying to see if... uh, Oh, my God. Oh, my God. (laughs) Robert... Roger Ebert gave this movie a positive review... And gave the film three and a half out of four stars. Raj, well, that just goes to show you the guy had no uh, no taste. I mean. <laughs> this motherfucker <laughs> gave Tor, Tor, Tor 
one star, Pearl Harbor two stars, called Friday the 13th immoral and useless trash, and gave this movie three and a half out of four stars. Roger Ebert, go to fucking hell. How can you do that, Roger? What were you thinking? I mean, I'm not a fan of Ebert and Siskel, but at least Siskel, his co-host, disagreed and said the film lost him a mere two minutes after its introduction. Well, I don't know about two minutes in, but yes. Ebert praised the hellscape imagery. Oh, my God. And accused Siskel of being dismissive because of the genre, but having liked Batman, Siskel was unconvinced. Mm. Well, that just goes to show you Roger Ebert had no taste. Sorry, Roger. <laughs> I cannot believe I ever would have agreed with Gene Siskel on anything, but good Lord. <laughs> oh, my God. that I am so fucking angry reading that. I am so angry. Um, So I'm going to get to some trivia here shortly, but I do want to talk about this unproduced sequel and the potential reboot. Well, that is trivia. Okay, so a sequel tentatively titled Spawn 2 was was in development hell since 1998. Um, The film would primarily be centered on the detectives of Sam and Twitch, with Spawn as a background character. That would not have been good. You have to have Spawn front and center. Um, then in 2009, McFarlane announced that he was writing a new script for a story that was neither a recap or a continuation. It was a standalone. Um, the movie was going to be more of a horror and thriller and not superhero. In 2016, McFarlane announced he had completed the script. In 2017, Blumhouse Productions confirmed that they were going to be involved with the film. I don't know if I want Blumhouse in charge of it, but... Um, It was announced in 2018 that Jamie Foxx would portray the character of Spawn. Jamie Reno would be playing the... uh, would be playing the role of Detective Twitch. The film restarted development due to the financial success of Joker in 2019. Well, good. Now I have another reason to hate Joker. Oh, it's because of Joker that this fucking got it? Ugh. This just goes to show you Hollywood has no idea what they're doing. Um... In May of 2020, Jason Blum stated there has been an enormous amount of activity on on Spawn. Uh, it's still in very active development. And then as of 2022, Scott Oliver, Malcolm Spellman, and Matt Mixon have been hired to rewrite the screenplay. Mm. So we may end up getting a new Spawn movie at some point. Yeah, hopefully they do it better than this one. <laughs> you know what? This movie does have a soundtrack, though. 
Yeah, I did like the music in it, I will say. Prodigy, Metallica, Marilyn Manson, Korn. Um, I don't know this song, Tiny Rubber Band by the Butthole Surfers. I um, don't uh, even want to know what that is. Slayer. Yeah, it had some good stuff on the soundtrack. Um, says here Spawn was one of the first film, one of the first films to feature a African American actor portraying a major comic book hero. Um, although preceded by films like Meteor Man, Spawn was the first to be based on a major comic book. Uh, then came the movie Steel with Shaquille O'Neal. And then about a year later, Blade came out with Wesley Snipes. You want a dark, dark comic book movie? Go watch Blade. That I is a better like comic book film. Um, I, I do like Blade a lot. Yeah, so some more trivia. Tim Burton was the original choice to direct this movie. Would have been better. Martin Sheen agreed to star in this movie because he always wanted to be in a comic book film. Well, (laughs) pick the wrong one, Marty. John Leguizamo ate live wax worms on the pizza in in this film. He He then vomited immediately after the take. Talk about commitment. John Leguizamo has described wearing the fat suit as like a penis wearing a condom. (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) Michael Jai White was actually set on fire for one scene. Damn. Such a shame. These guys went through all this and uh, the movie was pretty shitty. (laughs) Um... Released the same year as the critically acclaimed HBO animated series premiered, which is what I need told you you need to check out. Will do. Uh, John Leguizamo revealed in an interview one day he was shooting, he had to use the restroom. However, it took almost an hour to get out of the suit, and he ended up leaving himself by accident in the suit. <laughs> Damn, John. Poor man. Nope. Yeah, poor guy. Um, in 1997, two sequels were on the card. Spawn 2 was due for release in 98. Spawn 3, the ultimate battle for release in 99. Neither of these came to fruition. Um, the film was originally given R rating by the MPAA due to violent content. After some edits, the film was finally able to obtain a PG-13 rating. Some would argue that after seeing both the director and the theatrical cuts, they can barely tell the difference. What a shame. Um, Al Simmons was the name of a roommate of Todd McFarlane. 
in in 2011, Michael Jai White expressed interest in returning as Al Simmons in a future Spawn movie and supports Todd McFarlane's pursuant towards a new film. Oh, okay. This might talk. This might answer some questions. According to Michael Jai Wright, the first cut of the film was more serious, character-driven, and had fewer effects. Then New Line Cinema allowed Mark A. Dippy to more creative control over the action sets. A lot of the time during reshoots, White had no idea what was going on. I can believe that. <laughs> um. The heavy metal band Iced Earth, which made an album based on the comic Spawn, were offered the opportunity to be on the soundtrack. They turned it down because they thought there was too much techno music on it. I like Iced Earth. They got some good stuff. Um, the original Spawn comics, Terry Fitzgerald, is also African-American. McFarlane explained that he was made white in this film to avoid having too many black leads as they believe this would give the false impression that the film's target audience was the African-American demographic. Oof. Mm, yeah, I don't know what to say about that. Mel Bolger was originally going to be a puppet before it was decided to make him CGI. Oh, my God. Well, wrong choice there, fellas. Wrong choice there. Uh, before Michael Jai Wright, Al Simmons' spawn was, was originally considered. You had Wesley Snipes. Oh, my God. Dude, if Wesley Snipes had been in this movie. Yeah, oh, my God. Dude, he would not like they would never have gotten him for Blade. Yeah, thank God he did Blade instead. <laughs> uh, but you had Wesley Snipes, Cuba Gooden Jr., Snoop Dogg. <laughs> I want to see that movie. Tony Todd. Alan Payne, Denzel Washington, Sam Jackson, Ving Rhames, Tupac Shakur. Tupac? No. LL Cool J and or Will Smith. There is no way Will Smith was ever going to do this. <laughs> no. Um, During the chase scene, an accident happened that caused the fence to swing out and hit the stuntmen. Riding the motorcycle to get hit for real. This wasn't planned, and he managed to escape with minor injuries. Well, that's good. Um, Edward Norton was originally going to play Terry Fitzgerald, but dropped out to work on the 1998 movie Rounders. Yeah. Oh, here you go. This will answer your one problem. Mal Bolger's mouth doesn't move because the filmmakers wanted to imply that he's speaking through hell. Sounds like an excuse to me. <laughs> um, Richard Harris was originally going to play Cogleriosto. Cog- Cog- Um, uh, oh my gosh, 
Michael Jai White turned down the chance to play Jax in Mortal Kombat Annihilation. Another New Line Cinema film released that same year to do Spawn instead. Well, I guess it was pick your poison one or the other. I'm glad he did Spawn, I would say. After accepting the role of Wind, Martin Sheen was having dinner with his grandson, who was delighted to find out he was going to be in a Spawn movie. This is the first time Michael Jai White has starred in a comic book film. The second comic book movie is The Dark Knight. Martin Sheen, who played Wynn in this film, would go on to be Uncle Ben in The Amazing Spider-Man. Which is not what Martin Sheen should be remembered for. It really isn't. <laughs> um... Violator's line, I love the smell of burning asphalt in the morning as a reference to Martin Sheen's Apocalypse Now. I love the smell of napalm in the morning. I love the smell of napalm in the morning. Great movie. Uh, yeah, when you think about it, there's like a lot of references to Apocalypse Now in this. Well, when you have Martin Sheen. Clown told Wynn that he expected him to start the apocalypse now. <laughs> but, um, That's funny. That is funny. Will Smith at one point was considered for the role of Al Simmons, but declined to play the role of Agent J in Men in Black. Good, good, good choice, Will. As he felt playing the role of Spawn would tarnish his squeaky clean image at the time. Oh, And it would have... You did better playing Agent J, because I love the Men in Black movies. Uh, yeah, there's quite a bit of uh, trivia here, so I'm just trying to find, like, you know, the interesting bits. Yeah, I mean, it, it's such a shame because it sounds like had they given it more time, more money, you know, let let the story breathe a little bit. I would be interested to see an alternate cut of it, I think, but that'll probably never happen. Spawn appears without his red iconic cape for most of the for most of the movie. This was due to the fact that convincing CGI claw simulation at the time was very expensive. Um, interestingly, a practical version of the cape can be seen in promotional images, which we have seen, like, on the cover mm -hmm. of the DVD and everything like that, but is never worn anywhere in the movie by Michael Jai Wright. That's, a, that's kind of unfortunate. Yeah, you'd think they could put it on just for a couple scenes, I mean. But, oh, yeah. I'm sorry to have put you through it, Cordell. I am. I hope so. My curiosity got the better of me, but you did get your care package. So hopefully that makes up for it a little bit. Yeah. But yeah. That's practically it for trivia. Not really a whole lot more interesting stuff, but yeah. Um, Obviously, and like I said, with the character of Priest, you know, 
they were put, they were thinking about bringing her back somehow in this, and then like they just ran out of money. So then they said, oh, we'll bring her back in the sequel as an as a she spawn, and then the sequel never got made. So yeah, fuck this garbage. <laughs> fuck this movie. All right, that was Spawn. Uh, I want to know how we still got a fucking three-hour episode out of this. <laughs> uh, oh, I forgot you disappeared for like fifteen minutes. <laughs> yeah, you can. You'll be able to cut out like ten minutes of it. Oh my goodness! Well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for suffering with us tonight through this um we will be back next time with another review we will figure out what it is um but yeah thank you for joining us and stay safe everybody thanks for going to hell with us we appreciate you have a good night take it easy guys